This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Place to Be Nation, I would like to welcome you back to another wonderful episode of Bells with Books. I am one of your hosts, um... And at some point, I may be alone, but I hope to never be alone because that could be awkward. So, I am forever with one of my best and beautiful friends, Bianca. Hello! Um, If you are not new here, she will always do that. She made a promise to me. I keep my promises. You do keep your promises. That sounded more Um, threatening than I meant it to, but oh well. You did. It kind of was like... like okay Liam Neeson (laughs) I keep my promises (laughs) um so how are you doing on this wonderful Sunday afternoon for you evening for me (laughs) I am pretty good I made a pound cake I'm making some buffalo sliders because y'all we are recording on Super Bowl day or as Bianca aka Brianna concert day Uh, Miranda is a football fan, uh, but these are not her teams, so there's that. I do like Brianna. She's not my favorite, but she's pretty cool. Yeah, she's she not my favorite, but I mean, days. she's a good pop girly, so. She is. She used to get me through some work days. I used to be an assistant manager of a Journey shoe store, and we have no control over the music other than, like, the discs come. Because if you've ever shopped at Journeys, they play, like, music videos going all the time. Well, they used to. Not been there in a few years now. But uh, when I first started working there, Rihanna's song was one of the ones that, like, every hour on the hour. There you go. So. Because she's timeless. That's why. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. So I do want to start out with this episode by saying, if you listened to our last episode, the January one. You may have noticed that the sound was a little bit off. Yeah. And that can't be blamed on us. I was about to say housekeeping right before <laughs> you beat me to it. Um, yeah, quick quick housekeeping. Um, unfortunately, so it was very weird and it was kind of awkward. And we're pretty transparent, so we won't lie. Like, Bianca and I, while we were recording a couple of times, she was like, you sound weird to me. Um, and I also want to apologize to you because there's times where it sounds like I'm talking over you. Um and neither one of us were talking over the other one. She couldn't hear me, and I thought she just wasn't answering me. <laughs> because apparently Skype Europe was having some down issues. And while we weren't one of the ones that were kicked and not allowed to use it that evening, um, it has this whole, like, Bianca says something, and then there's a gap, and then I say a bunch of things really, really fast. You sound like a little chipmunk. <laughs> Which... Technically, if you're not new to listening to my podcast, you might have not thought there was an issue at all. (laughs) Even like Miranda's on the (laughs) sauce. Miranda had one too many cups of coffee today. Um, actually, coffee coffee does the opposite. It's alcohol that does crap like that to me. Yeah. Oh, okay. Coffee and soda, like. I just drank a soda, probably should not have because it's like nine something in the evening, but it doesn't affect me the same way. 
Thank you, ADHD. <laughs> so. Well, you know who doesn't have ADHD? You? That I know of. I don't know. You follow him more than I do. Um, for those of you who follow along with us, we give you various book talk updates. We do. We do. And we just wanted to update y'all about the guy who was... I can't remember if he wasn't good at reading or just didn't know how to read or wasn't an I think it was a combination of both. And the only reason I say that is because I was rewatching, well, not rewatching, but I was watching some of his videos that I had missed the other day. And he was like, y'all remember when I told you I couldn't read. But I don't know if he meant that because he said that statement. But then if you remember the first few books he chose for himself, those are pretty ambitious if you can't read. So I think it's that he... um, like, that's the phrase that he chose, but I think maybe, and I don't want to assume, but my assumption has to be that, right, um, he maybe just was not a very strong reader or had never really done it past school for fun is yeah. what I was gathering. Yeah. I think that's a better way of looking at it, too. Because like you said, the books he was picking, I was like, whew, yeah. that's, a, that's a weird way to start out, um, bud. <laughs> Diary and Frank, To Kill a Mockingbird. Outsiders, which that was, that's like one of my all-time favorite books. So he picked some pretty strong ones off the bat, I will have to say. But, yeah, we, ha- we have a quick little update on him. But you follow him more closely than mm-hmm. I do, so I'll let you yeah. talk for a second. So he's actually making it through his goal. He's reading, um, and he has noticed, um, he was taking note of, like, his progression, and he realizes, like, he's reading a little bit faster every time. And he's comprehending a little bit more every time. Um, And I just wanted to encourage people to continue to follow him and his journey. Because whether you read one book a year or like the girl that Bianca and I, I, well, I found her and sent you the video the other day. She what has she read like 41 books? Yeah, it was was a ridiculous amount of books. It was ridiculous. (laughs) So whether you read one book a year, one book a month or 41 books uh, a month. You should celebrate that and relish that. And whether you're a strong reader or you read above your reading level, which I think as adults, that's not really a thing anymore. But like where my girlies at that used to read above their reading age. Hey, I'm here. Raise your hand if you also not have ADHD. Hey. (laughs) Which I have two updates for a couple of people that I know. But speaking of reading Reading books in general without necessarily like a book goal. So Miranda and I have a mutual friend. Her name is Mm -hmm. Sabrina. Shout out to Sabrina. Hey, Sabrina. And she likes to read a lot of like high fantasy books, which is fine. That's just not my forte. Oh, I love them. You go fantasy books. (laughs) Fantasy books do tend to be a lot longer. They do. And right now, Sabrina is reading the new Cassandra Clare book series. Yeah, which. Which, like, major shout out, she'd already finished one already um, in that series this year that was quite hefty. And now she's on one that, what did she show us? It was like 800 pages? It was like 850 pages. Like, girl, that's longer than the Sarah J. Moss I'm on right now. I just want to give her a shout out because she was like, I don't know how y'all read so many books in such a short amount of time. I'm like, girl, you're reading like four books equivalent of mine. Yeah. Do not feel bad about yourself. So, shout out Sabrina, go you, and to everybody else out there, I, I made Bianca laugh earlier. I don't know if I can repeat it exactly, but all I'll say is, whether you read one book a month, one book a year, 
or whatever, like the crazy girl with the 41 books. I see you too, girl. You make me feel bad, but it's okay. <laughs> I think it's fantastic. And whether you read fairy smut or Amish kissy kissy nose romances <laughs> or graphic novels, like I don't care. Just read. Reading is like so much fun to me that it's like I want everyone to enjoy it. Same. I have a brother that is not a reader. He really isn't. And when he, he lived with us for a while and we were like, if you, we will buy you this, like he's, there's a book. He was like, I kind of want that because it was a series our dad used to be into. He's like, but I don't, he's like, I don't like to read. And I was like, I'm going to make the trade off for you. I will buy you these two magazines that you really want because there's, and there's articles in them. And if you can read three of articles total and tell me what they were about, I will get you this book that you may never read. <laughs> <laughs> but I also explained to him reading magazines because some people are like, oh, I just can't do that. But then they really like magazines and they read them. And you know what? That is also reading. So it is. Fantastic. I used to be a magazine reader, not so much anymore. Yeah. Um, it's I used to be it used to be a thing like I'd grab as kind of like a splurge fun thing, but obviously magazines at my grocery store are not readable to me. <laughs> Get, work on that Duolingo some more. <laughs> oh, man. Until you, you learn that Duo did you wrong and the word he taught you that meant this actually means like 10 different things. Duo's done me dirty a few times when I've tried to have conversations in public. I'm sorry. You can practice your German with me because I've been doing I mean, German lately. Just so you know, though, that you know how they keep insisting we learn the word for actress and actor? Yes, Never once have I needed the word Schauspielerin. <laughs> I was wondering why they taught that. Like, that's in like the first few lessons. I'm like, why yeah. am I learning the word for actor and actress? And I'm like, and actually a lot of my friends here say that's like the proper term. That's not even like what tape people actually say anymore. And I'm like, never once have I needed it. <laughs> and then what was the phrase that they taught both of us at the very beginning that I... I already knew from living here that if you'd walked up to the coffee. Oh, they had taught Bianca to say coffee and milk. Um, but the way they made you think you were saying it is that if you walked up to a counter and you said that, it'd be like, I would like coffee with milk in it. And that like is a latte. not at all. You would, Yeah. And you just say latte macchiato. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, but I remember that. And they, because uh, if you walked up to the counter and you were like, coffee und milk, bitte? Um, you'd get milk and you'd get a coffee. <laughs> like you, you'd just get plain coffee. Or they'd look at you and go ask you what kind of coffee. They'd be like, uh, cappuccino, latte. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So latte is a universal wrong. word. Just use latte, it everywhere. Latte macchiato. Yeah. There's a lot of words that are actually universal. It's pretty cool. <clears throat> but I do have a surprise for you that but, I waited till today to tell you, Miranda. Um, one of my friends, Joshua, that I knew from uh, college. Do you know Joshua? I think it's the same Joshua I know that he used to work at the daycare that I sent my kid to. Because mm. I think once before he's come to me and been like, how do you know Bianca? Okay, that does sound like him. But he Pretty texted sure me that he yeah. had listened to our podcast and he is reading your Vampire Knitting Club books. 
Joshua, hello, get out. I hope you love them. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure, I don't want to say his last name to like, because I want like people to feel comfortable and stuff. Uh, but I, we will we will text each other in a second, because I am pretty sure at one time he messaged me and was like, wait, how do you know Bianca? Um, unless it's not the same Joshua. If it's not, hello, nice to meet you. Love to have you here. But I'm pretty <laughs> sure. Hey. Uh, that's awesome. I love those books. They're so fun. And there's a lot of them. There's a lot. But I figured you would be happy that someone took up one of your recommendations. So I that was that, his birthday like, splurge to himself. Oh, that makes it even. Oh, I love that. Well, if you end up liking that, I have not read them yet, so I can't give huge recommendations. But the author, Nancy Warren, has similar series. Um, one is like the Magical Baking Coven. Where it's all, instead of the vampire knitting shop, it's like witches in a bakery. So I feel like, and I've only read like the first few chapters of the first book because it was like a, a surprise snippet kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I feel like if you are like Joshua and you took that recommendation and you like those, please look out for everything else that she writes. It sounds like it's kind of all on the same, like, ideal Yeah. I was like, oh, that's so sweet. Thank you for listening to us. Yeah, thank you. That makes me, what is it, the joke that you and I used to have where we were like, well, we know we have two listeners, and we were like, hey, Ellen, hey, Susan. Now we could be like, hi, Sabrina. What up, Josh? We have four. But also, if you just so want to happen to follow us on Instagram at Bells with Books Podcast, you can follow us there to see what we're getting up to. Yeah. I'm trying to gain some followers on the Insta. Trying to do it organically. I don't like none of that, like, follow for follow with other book. I know that sounds mean, but, like, we've been trying to be very organic. Yeah. Bianca's been doing a fantastic job over there. Thanks. It's all Hello. Canva. <laughs> Canva is the most amazing tool. I redid my resume on Canva. Shout out Canva. Love Canva. Not sponsored. But I mean, if you want. It could be. Hey. <clears throat> hey. Uh, yeah, follow us over there. Uh, I haven't even looked. I see this sounds bad, but I don't look at the analytics a lot. Like, I have the ability to check out and stuff like that and I'm like no I don't think I want to know um we have 34 followers hey that's pretty good because I honestly really haven't been like hey go here or nothing like that so yeah we will hope to thank you followers bring you some mo content soon if there's something you'd like to share with us, like if you have a book you're really enjoying, you can drop it in our DM over there because um, we don't really have an email yet. So you can, it'd probably be the easiest to drop it over there. Say hello. We, we would love that. We take any and all book recommendations. We do. We do have a thing here called Bianca No-Nos. So they might be Miranda Yeses, but that's okay. Like I said. Everyone has their preferences. We don't yuck anybody's yum. Yeah, they do. Do. Uh, we don't we don't yuck anybody's yum. Nope. You know. But but speaking, speaking of, of yum things. Book <laughs> oh, yum things. 
Um, I was thinking yum things as like Sam Claflin from Hunger Games. Oh, yeah. That's that's what I was thinking of yum because Mm. in our adaptation minute this month, I don't know if y'all know this, but there's a Mm -hmm. book called Daisy Jones and the Six that Bianca was slightly obsessed with for a while when it came out. And the series comes out March 3rd on Prime. And y'all, they dropped the first single. When I tell you I was unwell for a couple of hours. I understand being unwell for a few hours. That was, it dropped while I was at work. And my poor supervisor, he was like, are you okay? And I was like, do you hear this? (laughs) Did you do that thing where you listen to it on repeat? Because I know you. Oh, yeah. Did you listen to it on repeat? Yes. Mm -hmm. It is the perfect 70s groove rock song. Um, for those who don't know, Jay-Z Jones. Is it like I could put my skates on? Um, maybe. It's not a disco you song. So it's it's definitely rock. You don't have to disco to to put your roller skates on. As, when I when I think of roller skates, I I think disco. I don't know why. That's just how my brain works. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, see, okay, there we're gonna start counting it. How many times does Bianca make Miranda have an existential crisis about her age during recording? <laughs> this is number one. <laughs> but uh, so, Dingy Jones and the Six is written in like a documentary style, and it's like interviews with various members of the band and or people adjacent to the band. And so, they're the music from the series is probably going to be very 70s rock-esque and I was looking up to see who all they collaborated with so far and the music is coming from Marcus Mumford, Phoebe Bridgers, and Jackson Brown along with people it doesn't give me specifics from these acts but it says people like The Who, Nine Inch Nails, (gasps) Pearl Jam, (gasps) Jeff Beck, (sighs) Elton John, and David Bowie. So I am now super duper hyped for this adaptation. It has a lot to live up to. I have I have not read the book yet. I knew you were obsessed with it when you read it. And honestly, I won't lie. When it first came out, I did think it was like somebody's autobiography that I just was like, like I had forgotten who they were or something. I was like, what is what is this? And that's um, done on purpose. Me- I, but I think that's really cool now that I know that. Kind of like the book that I'm, like, reading, but I'm having to, like, do it in spurts because of the way it's written. So it's is it similar to that at all? The one I messaged you about the other day that's written basically in, like, interview format, through text messages, um, emails. Kind of, sort of. This one's not as more, much. Th- well, this one's more documentary style. So it's not told through like emails and stuff. Like it's just mm-hmm. like the interviewer is asking a question and then the person answers it and does like a long backstory about whatever. So it's not necessarily okay. through like text or email. Oh, okay. I can handle that better. Like imagine a scripted office or gotcha. a scripted Parks and Rec. Okay. Gotcha. That's That's kind of how it's done. But yes, my man, Sam Claflin, is mm-hmm. playing Billy Dune. He's the leader, basically, of the six. And then Daisy Jones is played by Riley 
I don't know how to pronounce her last name. It's maybe Kof. Kyof. K-E-O-U-G-H. <clears throat> but she looks um, exactly how on. I pictured Daisy. So. 10 out of 10 casting. This is going to be really bad because Caden used to go to school with a little girl uh, whose last name was the same. And then suddenly I just forgot how to pronounce it. It's like not how you would think you say it at all. I mean, that tracks. Yeah. That's what, I think it's Riley Cough, but I'm probably wrong. <clears throat> if you ever want to know, the wonderful thing is uh, YouTube. The whole, like, how do you pronounce? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Full Sometimes I forget that. Exists. I use that thing way more than I should probably admit that I do. <laughs> Well, that was like, my adaptation when, update, Miranda. Do you have one that you want to talk about? I don't actually have one this go around. I have been I have been getting caught up on television finally because I went through a, like a, not really watching any TV, but nothing I have been watching. I don't think. Just going through my list real quick. Uh, I don't think anything I've been watching is is an actual adaptation. Some of the things I've been watching like. Books came from it later, but yeah, no, yeah. <clears throat> Which I just yeah. saw a thing today, and I thought of you. Oh yeah. Um, someone was comparing. Um, oh, what's her name? Blonde girl from Riverdale. What's her name? I know who you're talking about. Lily Reinhardt. Yeah, Lily Reinhardt. I did Give not realize how much she looks like uh, Brittany. I know her from Clue. What's her name? From Clueless. Brittany Murphy. Oh, you talking about Alicia Silverstone? No, Brittany Murphy. Oh, Brittany Murphy. They yes, they do. The they do favor. <clears throat> they do favor each other. I saw that before we started. And I don't know how old Lily like, Reinhardt is. I don't know how old Lily Reinhardt is. I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure she was already alive before Brittany Murphy passed. So it's no reincarnation. But they do favor. They even, like, in photos, tilt their heads kind of the same way and stuff, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Lily is 26. Yeah. She would. She's she's too a little too old to be reincarnation. Because mm. uh, we lost Brittany Murphy in, like, 2000 and... Was it eight? That sounds right. It's eight, somewhere in there. Oh, 2000, no, 2009. Okay, see? Six, eight, somewhere in there. Okay. Yeah. So it was not too far off. I couldn't remember. So, yeah, she'd be too, too old. I do love Lily Reinhardt, though. <laughs> She's great. Well, now, boys and girls, ladies, gentlemen, people... We, yeah, all listeners. The meat, the meat and glue of our entire podcast. Well, we um, figured we since it was February. Sorry, were you talking? <laughs> no, it's okay. I was, but I think we are both going in the same direction. It's really so we don't record where we see each other. So I don't see when she's about to talk. <laughs> yeah, we'll just be talking and be like, oh wait, sorry, go ahead, note me. Oh wait. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> 
So, yes, so, you go. I will let you um, explain and then I will go into a little bit more detail before we start our actual discussion. <laughs> so we figured since it was February and we would try to do something kind of in the realm of love and relationships and mm-hmm. all of that hunky dory stuff. Right. Our naive selves. We also picked a new author, which I had never read before. I don't think you've read her before, have you? I had not, no. But I I had been wanting to, and that's kind of what led us to decide to make this, or that's what led us to picking this book specifically together. And then we said, well, it, we know it's it's not going to be like a love romance, but let's do it in February because perfect marriage, you know, Valentine's Day, let's just give it a shot. So, yeah. Yep. So it's The Perfect Marriage by Geneva Rose. Yep. Um, <clears throat> I think so, I have more strong feelings on some things than Miranda, and then Miranda so. has more strong feelings about other things than I do. Mm-hmm. I don't think this will be a good discussion. I think so, too. So the reason this book kind of got introduced to us, um, Bianca and I, I don't know, a couple of years ago, when I moved to Slovakia, started basically having conversations because of the time of day, the difference, through sending each other TikToks. Uh, um, now, before some of you guys are like, that's strange. We've, we'd already been friends for years at this point. So, like, we, we knew what the other one was meaning, like, just exclusively sending TikToks. And sometimes it's easier, right, than, like, sending out a typed message or a Marco or whatever. Um And so she really got me turned on to, like, I knew book talk was a thing, but she really got me into it more. And I, across that, found um, Geneva Rose. And the way I found her is because her and her husband, and I've talked about them before because when I've talked about um, Lila Dubois and her husband as well on TikTok, also book talkers, um, I found Geneva because her husband is so supportive and hysterical and she's the one I told you guys when we first started talking about book talk that her husband would hold up the book because I guess she's like bad at hyping herself up so he would like hype her up and be like this book is about blah 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 buy it now and like that just was so funny and then they also watch movies together like Twilight and a few other things where he's like wait 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 and she records his like reaction And I think I've sent a couple of those to Bianca, but I found her because of those things and fun. And then she was funny. And I was like, well, if her husband is hyping one of her books up like this, I have to read it. And it just so happened that I think this book came out when B last year. Mm, When did it come out? (laughs) Hold on. I know. I I meant to. It came out. Goodreads. It came out in 2020. Okay. So I guess it was just one of the most recent ones he was talking about or something. I don't remember why I gravitated towards that one specifically. Um, But I was like, I really think, you know, the way that they interact with each other on TikTok and stuff, I want to read their book. I want to read one of her books. Like, I'm in. I think it was the way he described this one. I think that's what it was. Drew and his description. So I sent it to Bianca. And when her and I first started recording the pod... I was like, you know, one of these days I'm going to read a Geneva Rose. And she's like, you know, I think so, too. And that's how we ended up where we are today. (laughs) Now, we Um, are going to be going through the book and maybe spoiling some things. So if you haven't read it, go read it and come back. 
but well, before we give a spoiler, like for anybody that like wants to pause and then come back, give me um, a really quick non-spoilery review, like two sentence review, three sentence review on how you felt about this book. It mm, put me on the oh, spot there. Sorry. <laughs> I can tell that it was her first book. Was it? Yes. It was her first book that she ever published. Um, And I can just tell from the way. You can tell she was trying to find a groove, basically. Because sometimes some chapters she would be like in it and you'd be totally immersed in it. And then other chapters you're just like, okay, what's happening next? Can we move on from this, please? Like there was there was a lot of ups and downs. But okay. it was a good thriller. I didn't guess the end until we were near the end. Okay. Um, what about you? So I was I was in it. I'm with you. Like I when we first started going, I I was how do I put this? When it first started, I was like, oh, this is nice. And then I was immediately angry. <laughs> for reasons because I have very deep seated reasons of, about a certain subject that we'll get to in a second um, and then it was bonkers do you know which part I'm talking about specifically that we absolutely have to discuss and spoil I don't care Yes. yes. when I immediately stopped and texted you and was like what <laughs> happened <laughs> so uh if you like a thriller, um, I'm trying to think of someone to compare it to. So it's not a graphic thriller, okay? Number one, I'll tell you that without spoiling it. Number two, the murder actually takes place, which we all know that was going to happen, right? Murders, murder, we, that's not spoilery either. Um, I think it tells you on the back of the book. Um, yeah. It takes. Place it tells you on the front off, of the book. <laughs> right, but it takes place off the page as well, kind of like a cozy mystery does. But this is not a cozy mystery. No, it, there's nothing cozy about this. There is no cozy. And I I think I apologize to you if I did not. I'm sorry because I will go ahead and like trigger warning, not spoilery. There are some things that happened that I wasn't expecting to happen in this book. Yes. So I'm sorry. We crossed the Bianca Nona line. I apologize. I had no clue. But you know that because you yeah. know I would never make you read something like that yeah no there was um, there was definitely some space there was a but marina didn't like it <laughs> guys we're gonna probably get straight to that in a minute marina didn't like that um but yeah overall i think i rated it higher than you did remind me and, and here's the thing guys one of the negatives we don't like about goodreads that we are in agreed consensus on is you can't give half ratings right Correct. Like you can only do one, two, three, four, or five. That's it. Or you no stars. No stars for you. Um, I I can't remember. You gave her three. Is that correct? Two. You gave her two because there is no two and a half. Yes. Okay. If I, I could do two her, and a half, I would have done two and a half. Okay. I gave her four because there's no three and a half, and I was closer to four than three. Like in my mind when I was going over it. Because my thought process in a four is I enjoyed it and I would tell other people about it. And that's what I'm sitting here doing. So I went to the side of four. But we'll get to why. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, if you're into thrillers um, and you don't really get easily bothered by a few things, I think you'd enjoy it. Um, if you're one of those people that like, you especially don't like, you like a thriller, but you don't like the when the murder is on the page, you'll be good. Um, now, I will say they do describe what happens. Oh, they do. The, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there are some descriptions, but there's not like the act of the murder happening. Right. And they do like at one point, they're like, look at the crime scene photos, blah, 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 blah. Um, but the, yeah, you're, the act itself is not described as can be done in some thrillers that like I've, I've had one where I was like, I need a second here. That was that was too much for me. <laughs> so the basic uh, synopsis for the perfect marriage is that Sarah Morgan is a successful and powerful defense attorney in Washington, D.C. She's 33 years old and she is named partner at her firm. And life is basically going exactly how she has always planned it. But the same can't be said for her husband, Adam. He's a struggling writer who has little, very little success in his career, and he kind of begins to tire of Sarah's relationship um, and her constant working. Uh, so they have this synopsis says secluded woods, but I didn't get that. I didn't get that it was secluded woods. I just got that it was like a very picturesque, um, like lake cottage. Like yeah, it was like a like summer lake house have. type thing, right? Um, but it's their second home, and he goes out here to decompress, to write in this little town that this lake cottage is in, and he begins uh, begins begins a um, affair with a girl named Kelly Summers. Um, but then one morning, everything totally changes, explodes in their face. Adam is arrested for Kelly's murder. She's been found stabbed to death in Adam and Sarah's second home. Sarah soon finds herself playing the defender of her own husband, a man accused of murdering his mistress. But is Adam guilty or is he innocent? And that's what you're trying to decide. Well, you you know if he's guilty or innocent, basically, the entire time you're reading it. It's you're trying to decide who did this. Would you agree with that statement? Well, I was conflicted. <clears throat> oh, okay. So then you yeah. wouldn't agree. So we'll go straight into that. So I think... The entire time, you know it wasn't Adam, but you, you're trying to figure out who it was to me. So what did you, how did you feel? Well, I was just kind of playing, I was kind of playing everyone's guilty until okay. proven innocent type of thing. Mm -hmm. Because the way Adam, com Adam comes off is very manic most of the time. He's not in his right mind, especially later in the book. He just gets more crazy erratic. more crazy and does yeah. yes very erratic things which to me if i had murdered someone and i was trying to cover it up i'd probably act like that so and see i was also thinking from the other aspect if if i was being blamed for a murder and i knew that i had not done it i probably especially with my personality type i would probably become extremely agitated and erratic because it's like I've got to prove I didn't do this. Like, I know I didn't do this. I have to prove I didn't do this. So that's why I had that thought. But I see why you had yours. Yes. Well, it's just from the from the very beginning of the book, you can just tell that Adam is not a normal thinking person, in my opinion. That from makes the, sense. 
from the get-go, he makes very questionable choices, like even before Kelly's murdered. So I'm just like, absolutely, dude, um, what you doing? So for anyone that's interested, I will say it just popped up to let me know it is free on Kindle Unlimited right now. Well, not free, but it's like part of Kindle Unlimited. Um, but right off the bat, as she, there, there's Bianca Nono, like pretty much like instant. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sorry. <laughs> Again, I'm gonna apologize like 20 million times. Um, so if you were somebody that you don't like the spicy side of things, um, and she make it spicy, Miss Geneva, I give you that. You you on the spice meter. I don't know how to start giving the spice meter yet, but I'd say how many how many jalapeno peppers? I give her two and a half jalapeno. Pe- I don't know three. There was one moment I was like, <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa, and I think I'm gonna give her three more because of how. When they arrest Adam and they start questioning him and they were like, there was man stuff here, here, and here. I was like, whoa! A little, little TMI there. Hmm. Well, I, let's I, just... Two and a half jalapeno peppers. Yeah. <laughs> well, side. let's just start from the beginning. Okay. Um, the book opens up with Sarah and Adam at their home in D.C., um, they've been married for 10 years and they're planning a little getaway to their lake house, which Sarah has only been to once at this point, I think. And that just shows how busy she is with her career. She's a lawyer who has made partner at her firm. She's made it pretty clear that her career is her life. But, and she is also known as the best defense attorney in D.C. You will not find a better defense attorney. Like if she is supposed to be like hands down absolutely who you would want on your side for any reason yes um how did okay at this point like all were how did you feel about sarah i liked her did you yeah she was she so from the beginning i liked her she was very level-headed. She didn't let her emotions control her too much because she knew people were watching her to see how she would react. She That's she knew true. that the world's a stage. And I guess in that profession, when you're trying to be the best, you don't, you, you know, people are watching you. So you have to be the best. And I, she has already sacrificed so much of her life to be the best. I think that was all she knew at that point. That is true. I didn't dislike her, but I think because very quickly we go from her and Adam planning this getaway that quickly within like the next few sentences we find out isn't going to happen as well um, because of her job. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I just, I don't know. I, and maybe I'm, maybe it's because I'm different, but like it's my 10 year anniversary. I would have been like, no, no this is important. I'm going, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm not going to like stay in town here and have drinks with my friend because work I'm gonna, I don't know. I immediately was like, Hmm. And I can, I can see that. I just, I have a, I have a healthy respect for, I hate to use the term girl boss. But she was the little literal definition of a girl boss. Like she knew what she wanted, she went for it, she got it. Oh no, no, I absolutely have a healthy respect for that. It was um, at the point where she basically—I don't know 
and, and maybe it's the way Geneva wrote her, or maybe it's the way I interpreted her, but it was like she was absolutely not going to let anything come between her being the very best. And that even meant her anniversary with her husband, who she swears she adores and loves more than anything in this world. Well, I think part of that um, is taking on social cues from current culture tendencies nowadays, not to get too into that, but I think that's also part of why I liked Sarah is that she knew how to play the man's game. She was the only female partner at her law firm and Mm -hmm. she knew she had to be tougher than the men and be better than the man in order to be equal to them, which is not fair. No, it's not fair. It's unfortunate. And maybe that's why I was like, why are you allowing them to treat? I I, maybe you know, it it is, it's a conversation. It's one of those, like, like you said, like in a different phrase, but like conversation for a different day, it is a world issue that people have varying opinions on that. I think it is a huge problem, but like, I, I hate that women have to be better. Like we should be allowed to have our anniversary, you know, (laughs) like we have to be better in, in order to be seen as equal. Exactly. And it really sucks. But I immediately was like, oh, I didn't know how I felt about her. Um, but I get I, I got all of it, but I didn't know how I, I felt about that. Um, but because she stayed back and because Adam, she she convinces him basically just go ahead and go. It's not a big deal. Um, I guess makes him feel like, oh, hey, darn tootin'. Woo. <laughs> But so he ends up going to the lake house without her and mm-hmm. he meets up with, I'll say his mistress. Her it name is. is Kelly. No, it is because yeah. I don't think they tell you right at that moment, but I mean, very quickly you learn they've been seeing each other. It's not an, it's not like he just grabbed her that day because his wife wouldn't come. Yeah. No, this has been an ongoing affair. Right. <clears throat> Which she is also married. Yes. So there's like a, what do they call that? Double. Double something. It'll come to me in like two hours and I'll text you what that word is. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I'm also evading it either way. It's like an affair on both parts. And yeah. it's not um, like Sarah doesn't know that Adam is having an affair. Kelly's husband doesn't know that she's having or that she's having an affair. Like, it's not like a mutual like you do. You do what you want agreement. Like they're both just flat out having an affair on their spouses. And it switches, the book swaps point of view between Sarah and Adam. So we Mm -hmm. get one chapter from Adam's point of view, one chapter from Sarah. And that's how the whole book goes, basically. And my thing I thought was fantastic. I, I liked that. Yeah, you know, I liked having the different perspectives. But my thing is, um, going back to the whole, most things can be solved with communication, and Adam and Sarah's problems could have been solved with, like, one little talk. Adam could have been like, hey, you're ignoring me. I need my wife right. to show me attention sometimes. And she could have been like, okay, cool. Or and like, he probably hey, could knew. have avoided this whole situation. Because I think that she even says, like, hey, you knew when we met in college, I was on a track. Like, you knew what my life was going to be. And when you, you know, you know, it could have been a conversation. You're very right. And this seems to be a common theme between you and I. We're always like, why aren't people communicating? <laughs> yes. I, and I, like, there's also child talk in there as well. Um, 
Oh yeah, one they, wants a kid, the are... other one doesn't want a kid. Yeah. And I, I'm I'm assuming you can tell who wants kids and who doesn't from our previous discussions. <laughs> right. But again, that like that doesn't seem like they're communicating that either. Uh, not very well, at least. It's, it seems like they're just more roommates than a family. Right. Because two people in a marriage is still a family, but they sure didn't act like it. No, I would agree with you. It was like, I don't know, it was like when it would be Sarah's chapter, she would say from his account or in his things, or and then he would say, like, with Sarah's something. Like, it was always like, this is hers and this is mine. Yes, everything was very and, much separate. You know, I, yeah. I don't want to, like, be rude to anybody because, I like, I have friends that, like, they keep things separate in their marriage, like, bank accounts and things. And I don't want to tell people, like, oh, like, that's not right. But what I'm saying is this seemed like with this couple, everything was separate. Like, Well, it wasn't just separate. It's that was... they kept count. Right. It was, yes, that's a good way to put it. It's like, well, because he does this and because he has this account I have this and then because it was just very um petty and as a child of divorce I watched things like that and I'm like oh no this is not good yeah. but it goes honestly like- before the murder happened I thought this is what this is what it gonna be I thought it was gonna be that based on how they introduced the two of them and their relationship I thought it was gonna end up in like divorce marriage yeah I mean, same. divorce because I was like, oh, so this is like a like a double entendre of the perfect marriage. Like, that's what yeah, I thought. Yeah, was. I thought, like, someone's getting murdered. Someone, they're getting divorced. Like, I thought by the way that they described them and their, like, them as a unit, as a family unit. It was just. Yeah. And maybe that's what she was trying to do is to throw you off and make you think. Anyway. Um, but, so. Pretty much everything we've talked about has all happened in the first three chapters of the book. This book moves very fast. And the chapters were pretty short, which I appreciated. Because for those who don't know, I like to pick up a book, read a few pages, and then put it down if I need to. Have a good stopping point. So this book was easy to do Mm -hmm. that with. I would absolutely agree with that. Um, Yeah, so Adam... Some of the chapters weren't long. No, some chapters were only like two or three pages. Yeah, like super quick. But Adam ends up going to the lake house without Sarah. He meets up with Kelly. They have their Bianca no no time. And it was super graphic. Yes. Okay, so maybe we'll give her three. Yeah. She gets three full peppers. You're right. <laughs> three full peppers. Um, Bianca would be like, ma'am, that's ten peppers. <laughs> when it got to that part, I was just like, and flip the page. <laughs> Yeah, and you could flip a you could flip a page or two. Yep, yep. I kept going, oh my, oh my, and the whole time I was going, oh my god, Bianca. <laughs> I do appreciate oh the apology, but I got through it. I just was just like, I just flipped a page. I was like, oh, they're still going. Okay, flip the page. Well, oh no, they're still going. Okay, now I, we're done. <laughs> yeah, I think you weren't mad at me because I also didn't know. Like, I didn't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, how do you know until you read it, to be fair? Right. But um, so Kelly ends up staying the night, which one, she stayed the night. They not only had an affair, but she also stayed the night 
in Sarah and Adam's house on their anniversary. The whole thing was just like a big middle finger to Sarah. Yeah, I felt really gross about all that. Like, yeah, I get you have bad communication. She's a workaholic. But like, I am not down with the cheating thing. Like, that's my big. That was the big thing I was alluding to earlier. I I really struggle with um, cheating in anything. Books, movies, adultery is I just don't like it. Um, But I I knew going into this that it was like it was what made the book the book. So I was like, okay, okay. But uh, Kelly ends up falling asleep, which Adam had promised Sarah that he would be home later that night after she had said, hey, I'm not going to make it. He was like, fine, I'll come back. It's okay. So he wakes up at like 1 a.m., I think. And he just, which happens to look. Like, how I thought he set an alarm. Didn't he set an alarm? I I genuinely don't remember that. I just remember he said he was going to come back. And then he woke up and realized that, like, they had fallen asleep. And so I thought that's why Kelly stayed the night, is they had fallen asleep. And he didn't want to bother her. So he left her there and left her a note and was like, please be gone by this time because the cleaner will be here. But before he left, he went through Kelly's phone. And he had seen some very disturbing text from Kelly's husband, Scott. And they were very yes. threatening in nature. Yes, kind of. I mean, that's how I took them. hundred percent. And at first it started like with the whole, I don't know. It was very kind of gaslighty. Like, you know, let's talk about this, blah, blah, blah. And then it was like, you stupid bitch, blah, blah, blah. Excuse me. But it, it got like really aggressive and really um, vulgar at the end. Yes. So maybe I said earlier that they didn't know the other one was having an affair, but maybe Scott did, or he suspected. He knew she. Yeah, he had I to mean, suspect something with woman. the nature of those texts. Right, like with the, you're a married woman. How do you not? How do you go stay the night somewhere like and be gone for hours like that in a small town and not send up red flags? Like I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, but Adam goes back home, and Sarah wakes up. I think the next morning they wake up and Sarah drops the bomb that she thinks she's ready for kids. And Adam is like, heck yeah. It like makes his day. And he like has this whole internal monologue about, okay, I'm going to break up with Kelly. Sarah's the only one. We're going to have a family. We're going to have children. There's more Bianca no, no time. Uh, Like immediately when he gets home. Is there? I don't remember that part. Because Bianca was like, I was not here for her. Probably not. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure, like, immediately when he gets home, it wakes her up. And that's when they have time together again, which I was like, Ugh. you just got done sleeping with your mistress how many hours ago? Yeah, like, less than 12. It was either, like, immediately when he gets home or it's, like, first thing the next morning. But it's, like... Yeah. Happy marriage. What the? Yeah. But you're right. He starts having this whole like internal monologue of like, oh, she wants a kid now. That did anger me a little. Like because she changed her mind. You know? Oops. Sorry, you cut out for a second. What'd you say? Oh, I said it did make me a little angry because he was like, because she changed his internal monologue was like, because she changed her mind. Now you want her. Now she yeah. is the perfect wife. Yeah. 
as a wanting wanting a child made her the perfect wife and made him want to get his life together. And I was like, mm, that's a big ick. Mm-mm. Red flag. <laughs> but um, yeah, so Adam is like having the best day of his life. Sarah gets up, gets ready, goes to work. And we kind of mm-hmm. get a glimpse of how Sarah interacts with others at the office. Um, she's just kind of. I would say. Re- if she had been written a man instead of a woman, her interactions would have been viewed as normal. Probably. However, because she is a woman, there were certain remarks that she could be abrupt and standoffish. And I was just like, what's what's with the two-facedness here? Like, she's just there to do her job. Let her do her job. I felt those, though, because I was the kid in school that was like, you're too much. You're, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm sure at some point all women in their life, they're going to be like, have been told like, oh, you're you're either too quiet or you're too much or you're, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, you're unique or you're an old soul. And you're like, what does that have to? OK. Yeah. But yeah. Just, <clears throat> But we get like a chapter break and see how she interacts with people. And it's not from a personal viewpoint. It's from a lawyer viewpoint. Very much. Yes. But Um, pretty immediately when she's in her office and describing like, oh, I have to do this with this case at this time and this attorney and blah, blah, blah. I got a little irritated. What irritated you? As As did a lot of the internet because some of the things I'm sorry Geneva I loved your book but (laughs) some of her legal things are incorrect a lot of her legal stances and or words and a lot of her policing stances I'll get way into that I'm gonna have another but (laughs) we get to the police like i feel like geneva just kind of wrote how she felt things would be and not how things actually are like i don't know what her job was prior to becoming a writer like maybe she was a paralegal or something i i apologize but i know that like even when i was reading reviews to see if like how i felt was how other people felt so we could talk about it today um, there were some people on there with some paralegals. There were even some lawyers that were like, no, 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 no. That is not how A, B, and C works. That is not how that is. And if you, I guess if you didn't know anything about the the fields at all, you'd probably like read it and be fine with it. Right? Mm, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Well, like it's like when you watch a movie and for example, um, a friend and I were talking about a, a television show earlier where he was really irritated with season two because there were some like gunfights and stuff. And in this specific show, they brought out M4s and it's supposed to be the 70s. And that specific gun that they brought out in this fight scene in this show in the 70s, it would not have been available. And he's like, oh, but I guess if you were just a person and you were like, oh, gun, ah, gunfight, like you wouldn't know that that's what I meant. Like maybe you wouldn't know the minute details enough to be irritated. Well, 
I know there was stuff that irritated you, and you know there was stuff that irritated you me. You caught it early enough, though, that you were also irritated, and you don't have, you didn't know the fine details of in and outs of some of those um, fields of work, and you were even irritated. So there's that. <laughs> I just was trying to be the people that are like, oh, I loved it. I didn't see that as a problem. Like, I, I wasn't trying to make them feel bad, but as someone that is, like, aware of certain things, I was like, that is not how that would work at all. Yeah. Yeah. But then there are some things that happen that I'm like, that is absolutely how that would happen in a small town police station. <laughs> <laughs> so, while while Adam is having a good morning, still riding on bliss that his wife finally wants to have a child, and Sarah's at the office doing her law thing. Um, Adam is at home, and there's a knock on the door. Sorry, I love how you're, like, doing her law thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that cracked me up. <laughs> put that on a business card. Doing the law thing. <laughs> Alexander Shannara. Doing the law thing. <laughs> Alexander Shannara, we, we know you have lots of money. We had a new slogan for you. Come buy it from us. <laughs> <laughs> but while Adam is at home... Uh, here's a knock on the door, and there's two sheriff's deputies standing there. Yep. And he's like, what's up, guys? And they were like, uh, can you tell us where you were last night? And he was like, kind of caught like deer in headlights, and he starts to panic a little bit. Which and I would, is, too. Like, yeah. Yeah. And have you ever been pulled over when you weren't doing anything wrong, and the cop's like, do you know why I pulled you over? And you're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. But like his first, if I remember correctly, his first immediate reaction was to like kind of almost run. Like he hadn't even done anything wrong, but they were just standing there questioning him. And he just kind of like backs away from the door. And when they see. He does act a little strange. Squirrely. I would say he's squirrely. Squirrely. I like that. He was, he was squirrely. But I don't necessarily agree with the next set of actions. Yeah, they basically tackle him and arrest him and like Which, okay, okay. Very roughly. Yes. And I know you immediately were like, stop, time out, not okay, don't like this. And I agree with you, except for the only thing that I would interject is <laughs> your squirrely is a great adjective here. If you have someone acting that squirrely, as a police officer, you don't have any clue what their next move is going to be. So sometimes you got to take them down quick. But what I had a problem with this in this is that once he finally is agreeing and is like, fine, whatever, like you scared the crap out of me. I didn't know what was going on. They get a little rougher. Yeah, they like antagonize him. They do. Um, and at that moment, it's it doesn't make sense. Like, it's just irritating, right? It's wrong. Um, but it makes more sense to me in, like, a couple of pages. Or maybe it's the next few pages when we learn who Kelly is exactly. Yeah. So they tell like, him, oh. they tell him, hey, we're here because Kelly was found stabbed to death in your bed at your house. And he was right. like, what? what? <clears throat> right. So, of course, they're. They're saying, like, they're accusing him of killing Kelly. I mean, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, he would be a prime suspect. Absolutely. The ma- she was stabbed to death in the house of the man that she's having an affair with. He's not there. And she's just randomly found by the cleaning lady. Like, 
that is immediately where I would go as well. But they take Adam down to the station to like book him and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam tries to call Sarah, but she doesn't answer because she's in court defending some senator, which I was like, okay, we're defending senators here. Right. Um, but Sarah doesn't answer, so he calls his mom, so Eleanor. Piece of work, isn't she? But I guess later we can say justified to some degree. No, no. Well. E- even with everything I know, sh- no. I felt I like, not okay. stand Eleanor. Okay, I could, okay, I agree with you. I could not stand Eleanor through the whole thing. But then at a certain point, I was like, I still can't stand her. But you wonder if at that point, this whole time, she had like a mother's intuition about the entire situation. No, because she'd always treated Sarah that way. I know, but without getting too far ahead, knowing what you know right now that we haven't shared with the boys and girls yet. Think about it. Just like quietly Maybe she she's always... my Dolores Umbridge. No. Okay, I don't. She, she... <laughs> she ain't that bad. I'll get to it. Okay, when we get there, I will explain what I mean, so everybody can be like, "What?" She she's a piece of work, though. I won't lie. Like, you know how people really hate Emily on Gilmore Girls? Yeah. So she's Emily times like ten. I like Emily. I end up like. Rewatching Gilmore Girls as an adult, I love Emily now. But like when I was a teenager watching it, I was like, oh God, she's so <laughs> But she's like Emily, but more controlling. Like where Emily just says what she wants. This is Emily saying what she wants, but also controlling the situation, like overstepping the bounds by a bunch. Yes. Um, so Adam gets a hold of his mom, Eleanor. Eleanor eventually gets a hold of Sarah, tells her what's going on. Sarah goes down to the police station. She, she is also interrogated by the deputies. Because Which I get. Of course. Yeah. It was a dead woman was found in your home. Right. Um, and they show her very graphic pictures of the crime scene. Because she was stabbed something like 19 times. I don't know. It wasn't just like, oh, somebody came in and just like killed her. They like murdered the shit out of her. Like she was like a cheese grater. It was like pretty much. Her body was completely mutilated. Their sheets Michael were Myers covered in blood. Dummy. Um, but Sarah, seeing the pictures, she knows that the only way to get Adam free is to take on the case herself. And she has like this whole internal battle of like, I know I'm the best defense attorney in the area you're not going to find a better one but this is my husband who i just found out was having an affair and this woman was found stabbed to death in our bed i could not nope you couldn't do it if if jerry was having an affair and the woman was found stabbed you wouldn't take his case they would probably have to keep me from stabbing him I I mean, same. Very much same. Excuse me, sir. What do what now? (laughs) I 
don't know how Sarah kept her composure and was like, I'll defend you, but I don't forgive you. I'd be like, I don't want to see your face. I hope you well, stop you also, Well, once again, you also have to remember that she is the best defense attorney. And like, that's her reputation. So if her husband goes down as being a murderer, that's going to stain her reputation. That people aren't going to want, people aren't going to want her to represent them. So I guess it's like a selfish thing as well. Like it comes back on her. Yes. Okay. That's how I read it as well. I, I no, I totally see that viewpoint. I just was in the like, what is wrong with you? So while they're at the station, um, the sheriff comes in. I forget the sheriff's name. Oh. Is it Ryan? You, you do you. I'll look it up. Okay. <laughs> I think his name's Ryan Stevens. I think they just go by the last name. So I think it's Stevens. Um, okay. But while they're all there, the sheriff goes into like, graphic detail about how they found Kelly and the condition of her body beyond just the stabbing. Mm-hmm. And that's where I was uh, like because they also go into like what the coroner found in this place. Um, various, Which, by the way. Various parts of Kelly's body were harmed not in a murderous way and that's how i'm gonna leave it i just bdsm way (laughs) (laughs) that was very creepy (laughs) i was trying to anyway yeah anyway kelly kelly liked some things but Kelly, Kelly kinda, and Adam were very adventurous lovers. They were, but this is where I had problem number one. Go ahead. Problem number one. Okay, so she's been dead less than 24 hours, right? Yeah. The coroner would not have this information back yet. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, it, it's been like 12 hours. I don't I don't know what people think because you watch like true crime and NCIS and all this stuff and things come back really, really quick. And for larger departments, but they are talking about a small department a couple of hours outside of D.C. So we're not in D.C. We're outside of D.C. at the lake house. It It would not have been that quick. Now, could they have done some, like, comparison things here and there? Of course. But they would not have known that quickly the things that they tell him and Sarah about the crime scene. I mean, yes, you could have to do certain things with luminol, things like that. But, like, maybe they're saying all this because they will also say things to get the person to confess. Right? Like, we all know yes. that. Yeah. It's a very well-used tactic. People hate it, but it, it is very well-used. But when they started talking about, like, oh, the coroner found this, this, and this, like, at that point, the coroner really only has a little bit of information. Probably the amount of stab wounds. Um, they're probably starting toxicology. They're probably starting the swabs and sending them off. But they wouldn't have all of that information immediately. 
Yeah. It's just, just not how that works. Okay. Okay. So there, there we go. No, I didn't even take that into account. <clears throat> I get it, though. It's a book. And, yes, you can get certain amount of, of information quickly. It's just not as quickly as what a lot of people actually believe. Yeah. Um, but Sarah goes to see Adam. Sarah tells him that she'll represent him. And he's basically, like, begging for forgiveness and, like, trying to hold her hand. And she's basically like, don't touch me. I'm your lawyer right now, not your wife. Um, and then in the next chapter, we get, like, an abrupt change. And it's from Adam's point of view. And he's kind of recounting how he and Kelly met. Um, he had gone to the coffee shop. She had worked mm-hmm. in the coffee shop. She was a barista slash waitress, all that good stuff. He had stayed at the coffee shop all day, talked to her all day, and basically just invited her back to the house. And she went to the house, and they had sex that very first day. And that's where it all started. Um, yeah. Yeah. But that's kind of like Adam's internal monologue kind of lamenting Kelly being gone at that point. Mm-hmm. And that's also while Sarah is in the room talking to him. That was all very weird. I was very confused by that. But while Sarah is like in when the they room, were interviewing him. Yeah, basically. I was like, Adam, why are you thinking about yeah. this right now? You're, you're about to be tried for murder. Like get, think about something else. But, yeah, but whilst- I can't imagine, though, like when you're being I mean, in a sense, it, it plays into who Adam is, though, because like he he's like he can't his brain is just all over the place. Like he's just so unsure of everything that is going on right now. His brain is literally all over the place. Yeah, but to be thinking of that first encounter with Kelly while your wife is in the room saying, hey, I'm going to help you. Oh, absolutely. But it I just think seems very bad. Oh, it does, but I almost think it's there to throw you off as well. Because, like you said, you were unsure. You were looking at everyone as a suspect. And I was looking at it as, like, I felt he was not the suspect. But who was? So you never suspected Adam Um, at all? No. Oh, okay. I don't know why, but I had it in my gut. It was not him. Okay. Did you have it in your gut who you thought it was? I did. And I was wrong. Okay. <laughs> I, and I, I, I will say normally, cause you know, I read a lot of thrillers, a lot of mysteries, a lot of cozy mysteries. Um, and I can, I'd say 85% of the time figure out, cause sometimes the question is not who did it, but why? Yeah. And sometimes the question is who, um, sometimes the question is who, what, when, where, and why, um, this time, Obviously, we I the why ended up being wrong as well. No, oh, because okay. of who did it. Well, no, because of who did it. Oh yeah, that's true. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I was, but I was wrong. But usually, about I'd say eighty five percent of the time, I end up being correct in the end. Uh, there were some things that I actually did have correct, um, but. Who actually did it was not it was not it. Yeah. Well, while Sarah and Adam are in their room kind of like discussing strategy, basically, this man just barges in the room and starts literally beating Adam to a pulp. 
Yeah, pretty bad too. Yeah. And that was another. That was another thing that made me stop and be like, this wouldn't happen. Like someone mm. in that station, someone in that station would have seen him coming, and would have stopped him. Okay, so I say not necessarily is because depending on the size of the station, right? Um, he obviously has the ability to get himself in and out because he is uh, an officer there, right? Yeah, he's a sheriff's deputy. We didn't deputy. say that, but I'm, he's a sheriff's deputy. Um, he would have his ability to get in and out of the building on his own. But depending on the size of the station, like, he may not have come across anybody before he got into the interrogation room. He may have come right in the back door, um, like the department that I worked at. Um, if you work there, you scanned yourself in the back door or in the bay where either of our officers would come in. Um, and you didn't come past anyone. You could literally go to an interrogation room. And there would be nobody standing outside of it because why would you need someone standing outside the interrogation room? Because the officers would be in there or like if the suspect was in there by themselves, then the, they're locked in. So like not a big deal. So it, it is actually possible that they could go straight in like that. Or like if you came in the front door and you just go past your secretary, like I ain't stopping you. That ain't my business. <laughs> You, you, well, I mean, oh, okay, it is my business, right? Like, I'm your secretary, and I'd be like, you really need to think this through. But clearly, in the description of this guy, say I was the secretary for their, their department specifically, and he came past me, I'd be like, oh, and I'd be like, trying to page something, but there's not, I'm not going to have time. It ain't going to happen. He's getting right past me. Like, and I'm not standing in his way because I ain't trying to die today. Yeah, you know? Yeah. So that's but. believable. Should it have happened? No. Could it happen? Absolutely. Okay. In a larger department? No, you are dead on. There would have been like a whole group of people he would have had to get past beforehand. But no, in a small department, like which is what I kept picturing when they were describing it, like what I worked in, no. He he can get he can get right to it. No no big deal. Well, after they get this dude off of Adam. Um, we find out that it's Kelly's husband. His name's Scott. Yes. He's a sheriff's deputy. And he not only injured Adam, but he injured Adam like so badly. He had to be taken to the hospital. He had like a broken rib and his eyes were like swollen shut. Even Sarah got a cut on her forehead where he like pushed her out of the way into like the table, I think. So yeah, he did damage. Like he he had he had blind rage and envy, and he he didn't mean to hurt Sarah, but yeah. it was one of those like. But after that whole scuffle, Sheriff Stevens offers to take Sarah to the lake house so she can see the crime scene, and she immediately agrees. Like there was no hesitation okay. at all. In Next inconsistency. What do you mean? Defense lawyers, defense lawyers are not allowed to just go traipsing around crime scenes. And if it was an active crime scene, her house or not, she shouldn't be allowed to be traipsing around it either. Yeah, that's true. I remember thinking it's that an active crime scene. Yeah. Sorry, I was. This is where I was going. 
but, and this is what um, I mean by people when you, there's something you know it, it it takes you out of I loved the story I gave the book four stars I just had some problems with a few things that like I feel like she just did not know but then again there are television shows that do the same thing yeah no she's not you know, alone like, in not this we're not trying to single out Geneva for breaking the American law system. No, 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 no. It's not her because there's a lot of beloved TV shows where like oh, a prime example of one I love. Psych, right? Yeah. Like, yes, he does end up getting hired by the Santa Barbara Police Department as a consultant. But a lot of times he just shows up and starts traipsing around crime scenes. Not technically allowed. So like, yes, one of my all time favorite shows. Is it correct? No. Do I love it? Yes. <laughs> so, like, I'm not trying to be mean to Geneva. Was it correct? No. But it plays into her story. It also plays into the type of sheriff I believe Stevens is, which I have some questions about. <laughs> as a person, like, as a character, not like, a, oh, that's incorrect, Geneva, but as a, like, I d- his his person yeah. yeah 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 he's not a very consistent character he's very wishy-washy yes and he's very um i don't know I, I almost get that like he would do whatever he saw fit to get the best outcome even if maybe that wasn't correct yes he was gonna do whatever he could just to keep the peace mostly yes and not necessarily get the right person for the crime. Right. Because he even says, he's like, well, all the signs point to your husband. Yeah. Um, and while Scott was out of line, I don't blame him. Like, he says things like that. Um, and then the way he starts acting towards Sarah is just kind of skeevy. Yes, I agree. Well, and Adam wakes up in the hospital and the sheriff, Sheriff Stevens is there. And he admits that uh, he never really liked Scott. Um, or that he was hot tempered and he knew he was kind of a loose cannon, so to speak. And he asks Adam, like, what do you think is going on? And Adam is like, well, I think Scott killed her. And Sheriff Stevens, like, he seemed to really take that to heart. Like he, it sounds like it felt like he was listening to Adam and not just like indulging him. I did, but it also felt immediately kind of how you said earlier, um, Sarah took on the role of defending him because it would, she like, one of the reasons being it would cloud people's judgment of her. I think the reason he was listening to Adam was because if his officer did this, it would cloud people's judgment of him. Because in most places, a sheriff is an elected official. Yes. So could you imagine if you have people running rampant in your department that you hired and you were elected? You're not getting reelected. So yeah. my thinking of like I grew up in this world and I worked in this world was like he was listening to him because he was like, shit, if this is what's going on in my department. Well, and the the next chapter is I remember it was a bit of a long one. Um, Mm -hmm. Adam's basically in the hospital and he's just kind of thinking about his life in general. Right. And we have a bit of a time jump about two weeks back. Adam is at the lake house and he was drinking a lot. 
Um, throughout the book, Adam drinks a lot. He's very much an alcoholic. And Kelly randomly shows up at the house and she has blood all over her face and a broken nose. Adam yes. threatens to call the police, but Kelly's begging him not to. And she basically admits that it was her husband who did this to her. Well, I'm trying to remember now, does she flat out say he did this or does he say, did he hurt you? And she kind of doesn't. Yeah, it's kind of insinuated. It's Yeah, that's what I thought. She kind of just insinuates like, yes, he hurt me. Yeah. Um, Which plays into her as a person in in her character later as well. Well, and it's through this whole exchange that Kelly eventually tells Adam that her name is not really Kelly. Her -hmm. name is actually Jenna Way, and she was accused of killing her first husband. Yes. Who was also stabbed to death. There's a lot of similarities with that case. There are. She ends up getting off. Like, this doesn't spoil anything, but kind of, like, speeds up everything as well. Um, She ends up getting off because of, like, a technicality. There was some um, mishandled or um, misplaced evidence in her case. So she ends up going going (laughs) scot-free because (laughs) it turns out. Her new husband, Scott, was a police detective of sorts on that case. I don't know. They never said if he was a detective or just one of the officers involved in the case. But either way, he was. From what I remember, he was an officer. But it was also insinuated that he was the one who happened to misplace that evidence and get her off. Right. That's why I was like, she got off scot-free. Yeah. So that kind of speeds up stuff for later. But that's. That's her whole story. Because basically, other than Kelly being the victim of this book, she's not really important. Yeah, <laughs> That sounds no. mean, but, like, she's, she's not. <clears throat> but in the next chapter, it gets another flop to Sarah's point of view. And Eleanor shows up at Sarah's office. Demanding as shit. And my thing is... Here's another inconsistency. If okay. you're working at that big of a law firm where you have like multiple lawyers, like, and the, the office is described as like this very tall building. Like Sarah's got like the best office with the best views. In DC. So, so yeah. it's, it's insinuated that it's a very large building, a very large firm. There's hundreds of people in that building. If Sarah had a guest, or if there was someone unknown in the building yes. with that pr- high profile of people, Eleanor would have been stopped by somebody. And and or someone would have phoned Sarah, like, calmed her, be yes. like, hey, there's this crazy woman coming to your office. And I don't know if you've been in any office building in D.C. ever, but I have. Briefly. You are not getting past anybody no there is a front desk there are multiple police officers indoor security people everywhere you will be the buildings are very secure there were dc police just outside the restaurants in dc yes like so i was just like eleanor how did you get here go go away (laughs) unless like she has a way to get in the building because it also insinuates that eleanor is probably wealthy of some like her wealth status 
I, I was guessing because they described like how she dressed and how she carried herself. And I was picturing that that meant that, um, I almost said Scott, that Adam came from um, wealth of some sort as well. So all I was thinking is maybe she had the ability to get into the building and then kind of barged her way past. Because I was with you. I took it to be like a high rise office building with this beautiful view of D.C. Um, you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just like, this doesn't seem right. But that whole scene's kind of cut short. Um, mm-hmm. Because then Sarah's like, OK, well, I'm going to Lake House with the sheriff. See you later. Um, on the way there, or when they just get there, I don't remember which one, but either way, uh, Sheriff Stevens hands her the autopsy report, and it turns out that Kelly was pregnant, and it was Adams. Well, okay, it would have to be, but at this point, haven't they now said for sure that there were three sets of DNA in Kelly? Yeah, it's all on that autopsy report. So now they have come out, which it has been a, a couple of days now. So I can buy it now, right? That they have found three separate sets of DNA to an extent. DNA testing is not as easy. Like, yeah, you have like 23andMe and all that. But even when you do that, have you ever noticed how long it takes to come back? And that's just spit in a tube. Like, <laughs> but so I can kind of buy it. But there's three sets of DNA, but they're saying absolutely it is atoms. So I'm like, Okay, which that could be done, I guess, pretty quickly because all you need is like familial match. Yeah. Um. So that I didn't have as much of a hard time as buying. Um. And like handing the autopsy report to the the uh, defending lawyer, that was also like, oh, okay, that makes sense because that is something that they would have access to because that would be for them to build their case. Like, yeah. You know. But going to the crime scene was really strange. Well, and the three sets of DNA, one was Adams and one was Scott's and then the other was unknown. So Mm -hmm. that means Kelly was getting busy in like a 48 hour radius, basically. Right. But well, no, not necessarily, because I don't know if you know this. It's really a gross fact that I learned. Tell me a gross fact. A gross fact about male stuff when it stays in you is that it can actually stay in there for, I believe, and I just learned this recently, so let me get my day straight. I want to say it's like up to, like, it can take like seven days to completely leave your body. Oh, I didn't know it took that long. I didn't either. I saw it from a doctor like a lady doctor that has like a TikTok or something and people were like, that's not possible, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, actually, blah. And I was like, what? Hmm. Um, yeah. Because well, at this point, it's almost three days after she was dead. That's why I was saying at least 48 hours. Right. But I mean, so what I'm basically, what I'm saying is it either way, it didn't matter if it was 48 hours or one week. Um, I was trying to see if I could get my fact straight here. Okay. This article says it can stay between two and five days before being expelled from the body. Okay. So, either way, in the last week, 
Kelly, who is married and has a mister, also has another surprise. Swerve. Like, she got a lot going on. Yep. And so but now they're... Like in a week, basically. So now they're just trying to figure out who that unknown is. Um, mm-hmm. And while they're at the house, another sh- deputy showed up, which I thought was very suspicious. It was Deputy Hudson. He didn't even come in the house. He just kind no, of like he stood there and suspicious. stared. Yeah. He did. He, he, he like stared and watched the whole scene. And I think he even makes like a comment to the sheriff, which I also thought was weird because that's kind of like insubordination, basically. Yes. Like to look at your boss and basically be like, you sure you know what you're doing? Yeah. Because like, it doesn't. We don't really know what the relationship of them have together. Like, who knows? Maybe they've known each other their whole life. Like, they support each other. And he's, like, ribbing him and being like, you sure you know what you're doing? Like, they don't say, you don't know that. Like, we don't know that. Like, he's just standing there, like, menacingly, as Caden says. Um, <laughs> and then just makes some, like, rude remark about the sheriff's ability. But the other problem I had that I texted you about, I think it comes place. I think it's already happened or it comes place right around here too, is they keep referring to anyone that works in the sheriff's department as a sheriff. They either say sheriff or sheriff deputy. They use the words interchangeably. And that is not correct. No, it is not. And that irritated me. (laughs) (laughs) Because they'd be like. I even texted you. They'd be like, oh, in, in it's like the sheriff middle of so-and-so. Reading. And I'm like, no, you have one sheriff. One sheriff, which, as I said earlier, isn't usually an elected official. And then you have sheriff's deputies. Like, I shot the sheriff, but I did not shoot the deputy. Or am I old? Anyway, like, that's a... There are two different positions of power. That's like a police chief and a police officer are not the same. Well, and I think uh, I texted you this um, and Mm -hmm. you were like, yeah, I can see this. The way that Geneva writes the sheriff's deputies and the sheriff and just any law enforcement in general, Mm -hmm. it seemed like she was very biased and inserted her own personal opinions about law enforcement. We did talk about this. We talked about how you felt. uh, I mean, can I just. Are you okay with me saying how you felt? Yeah, she felt? yeah, go ahead. Okay, so when you texted me, you said you felt like she was a person that, we don't want to say anti-police, but maybe she has strong feelings on police. Um, but I think I wrote you back and said that I could see your viewpoint, but that I also wondered if her writing the police like that were also like another sort of red herring in the book to make you think one way or another about them. And I think I also said something about, like, they would kind of come together and, like, huddle inward when one of their own was being blamed for being a wife beater and murderer. Because whether they did it or not, again, that reflects on all of them. Yeah. So I haven't decided if I feel like she she's biased one way. Towards police, or if it's because she's trying to to throw you off, I really haven't decided. It just came across that way to me in the writing style because they came off as very my way or the highway, macho kind of man, and like I yeah, get they, that that's they are. part of mm-hmm. the story, 
But when every single one is written that way, you just kind of get the feel of, is this actually how it is? Or is this how you feel about this particular career path? And I think that's what makes um, the sheriff himself so jarring as well, because he has these times where he's like very caring and calm and like friendly. Like I understand, please understand. I'm just doing my job. And then the next time you turn around, he's basically like, if I find out you did this, I'll kill you myself. But you know, like that kind of like, and yeah, I, it was and very Jekyll and Hyde. Had, he was very Jekyll and Hyde. And I, that kind of really, like I won't lie when they were like there's a third DNA in her and in the book they were like what if it was his partner what if it was his partner I was like what about that sheriff anybody check that sheriff like I won't I won't lie I was like because I think I messaged you and was like this sheriff kind of shady well and while he's being kind of shady uh Sarah they allow Sarah to like go through the house and basically inspect things. And Sarah goes to Adam's desk and opens a secret compartment that she knew was there. And in that secret compartment was an envelope with a very private picture of Adam and Kelly. And on the back is written, end it or I will. But it's the private photo like they didn't take it together it was like someone was spying on them like watching them and took it yes but like a voyeur yeah and they were like not not fully clothed and stuff like it was obvious that they didn't know the picture was being taken right um but yeah sheriff stevens takes that in for evidence and in that same wasn't part there something else in the compartment I don't think so. I think it was just that. Okay. I don't know. Am I wrong? (laughs) I don't know why I thought there was a gun there. I don't remember. Which ended up totally being irrelevant because she was stabbed, but I was like. Yeah, I don't maybe, remember. Maybe I'm blurring it there. with something else. Continue, continue. <laughs> I don't know why. In my head, I thought there was that picture and a gun. Now, I don't remember a gun, but you know me and my memory. The only reason I'm able to go through this with as much detail as I am is because I took notes. Like I take notes when I know we're going to discuss a book for the podcast, and it's not in my notes, so that's the only way I'm able to. But it could also have been like insignificant not writing it down (laughs) yeah that's true (laughs) (laughs) and this book is not very long y'all but it is a lot to discuss like i'm not lying like yeah it was a short book yeah it was a quick read um but adam is healed enough where he can be moved back to the jail and then sarah goes to the jail talks to adam and they basically go over his whole story like where he was like every minute of the day so she can build the mm-hmm. case um scott comes to see him as well and even apologizes yes yes scott's like yeah i was out of line i was kind of in a blind rage my wife was murdered i'm sure you can understand right type stuff but then he says something that throws everything Adam knew about Kelly off. Because he's like, well, 
you were, you were the one, you know, you're the one that should be to blame here. Like you're the one that, you know, haven't you stopped to think about like you could be next? Like it was probably you. Um, and he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, you know, you are the one that busted her lip and blacked her eye or whatever. And he's like, what? Yeah. And, and Scott's uh, very surprised by all these accusations. And you can tell by the way she writes it that he's genuinely like, what are you like? hundred percent has no clue what he's talking about. And he's like, no, we were like doing or like, were they remodeling or doing something in the house? And she just got hurt. Like she's just me and Bianca, just clumsy. She just got hurt. Like complete accident. Like Scott didn't hurt her. Um, like I think he even says like, I took her to the hospital or I took her to the doctor or I bandaged her up or something like, yeah, he tried to help her. Yeah, he tried to help her, and she she just got hurt. And you can tell he's genuinely like, what the, you know, like, I did not do this. So then that throws, like, as the reader, you're like, well, who do you believe here? Um, Because he also tells her, like, I knew who she really was. Like, it's just very strange, but I think it was needed. But I think it it clears some things but adds more confusion, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and Eleanor also visits Adam and Jill, and she's basically bad-mouthing Sarah. Yes. Saying, if Sarah had been a better wife, you wouldn't be in this situation. You would have never cheated if Sarah was everything that you ever needed. And, like, in the very next chapter. I didn't like that. Yeah, no. That was I get very defending much... your child and being like, my child would not do this. Like, there's no way he did this. Like, he may have been an adulterer, but he wasn't a murderer. Like, I, I understand defending your your kid in that manner, but like to also be like, well, we're going to get a better else lawyer. Someone else's infidelity is not the way to go about this. No, it's not because it takes two in most all of those decisions. Yes. But in the very next chapter, Eleanor and Sarah go out for dinner and Eleanor is again berating Sarah for not being a loving wife and, quote, forcing Adam to cheat. Oh, that was so disgusting. I was incensed when I read that. I don't know if you could feel my anger halfway around the world, but it was there. Like, I literally had to put the book down and be like, mm-hmm, I no. So I don't hate Eleanor as much as you do, but I was like... Red flag on the field again, because there is this like toxic, very unhealthy mother son relationship. And I don't mean on his part, because he even says at one time, he's like, go. He's like, go do this. I'm fine. Like he's telling her, like, let me uh, later when he's on house arrest, he tells his mom, like, please just go do please. You know, like so you can tell it's not toxic, like as then they both have a very weird thing with each other. But. It's clearly toxic on Eleanor's part. It's like, I don't know how to put this. Like, I am a boy mom, and, like, I will fight tooth and nail for that young man in there, and you know that. But I also know there comes a time where, like, he has to do his own life and have his own thing. Um, But it's like Eleanor never stopped being her, like, raising her baby. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like she, they, the joke that people say is like cut the cord. Yeah. That cord was never yeah. cut. Yeah. It's like it, Eleanor is still raising that little child that that's all she ever knew how to do was raise her son and go to fundraisers and stuff. 
Yeah. Um, but then it kind of, the book kind of takes a turn and we get into more lawyer stuff. Yeah. Um, Adam is basically given two options. He can either plead not guilty and only go to jail for like 25 years, I think, or he can, Mm -hmm. or guilty. If he pleads guilty, then it's automatic, automatic sentencing. He'll go to jail for like 25 years. It's a plea bargain, basically. Yeah. Like you're, you're not admitting to guilt. So, like, in a plea bargain, a lot of times, especially in his instance, you're not admitting to your guilt. But if you just, like, take the plea, it's, like, basically saying, like, if you take this instead of going in front of a jury, um, you're not admitting to your guilt, but you're just going to take this and you're just going to go sit and serve your time and and be done with it. Or you're going to say, not guilty, nope, not doing it, and you end up in front of a jury who decides your fate and there's no, like arguing which could end up being worse than what the plea was but since he's pleading uh not guilty the death sentence is on the table for him and he knows that going in and he's still saying i didn't do this i'm gonna plead not guilty and see that's why i still stuck by that i didn't think he did it because who would hardcore 100 percent knowing they could be put on death row would continue to be like, nope, take it to jury. I did not do this. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> but um, that's kind of where all the legalese starts coming in. Um, they have an, the arraignment trial. Uh, Adam. Oh, we haven't even mentioned her weird friend that pops in and out, like, just randomly uh, and sporadically. Matthew. Yeah. Matthew, who I thought his character itself was really funny. I enjoyed Matthew. It's just strange. He, I think he's just there to kind of like throw you off, but like he pops in and out and he even shows up to like uh, the police department and stuff. Cause I think at one time the sheriffs and everybody were like, well, who are you? And he, she's like, oh, he's helping me on this case. And I'm like, and so I could have done without his character, honestly. It was just extra. Yeah, I liked him, but I, he, he, he he wasn't needed. He didn't yeah. explain anything. Um, but I guess he could be. Mm, no. Okay. I, I now suddenly see why he was there. But we'll get to. We can't go there yet. <laughs> but yeah. Sarah has two people helping her. Matthew and her assistant Anne. Um, Anne works with her at the law firm. Law firm. Matthew is just like an old lifetime friend. They went to college together. They're both lawyers. He went in one direction. She went in another. Um, they spend time together as often as they can. They lead you. Uh, they say Matthew is um, gay. Um, and then Anne is like, has become her best friend. She even tells her you're basically like my family. But there's a comment that's made um, from Matthew about Anne. And then from Anne about Matthew, and I think they've already been made at this point, um, that I thought were insignificant, but now I I do not. Matthew basically says something along the lines of, like, every day Anne turns into, Anne is more and more like you. She would do anything for you. And then at one point, Anne looks at Sarah and says something along the lines of he would do anything for you talking about Matthew and he's in love with you. And she's like, no, he's gay. And she said, I bet he wouldn't be for you. 
which that's not how gay works, but like that was they they both had something significant to say about how the other one fit into Sarah's life. And I thought that was interesting. Which Adam agrees with both viewpoints of that. He's always been a little leery of Matthew. And he also recognizes like basically how Anne worships Sarah. And yeah, he even says like, it's very strange. Like she follows her around like a, a dog without a lead, basically like just does whatever she says, but she is her assistant. And I'm assuming in a high power law firm like that, she's also trying to prove herself just like, Sarah has been. Yeah. But um, so they go before the arraignment. Uh mm-hmm. Adam, Adam pleads not guilty. Judge sets bail. Adam gets house arrest, and he's allowed to stay at the lake house. And he's given a little ankle monitor. Mm-hmm. Which, um that's very nice. I'd be like, okay. Well, they do it because Adam's never been accused of anything before in his life. So they don't consider well, him like it- a risk to society or anything. Oh, and I have this little thing pulled up that just pulled up from earlier. We were talking about how many times Kelly was stabbed. And we were like, it was a lot. It was 37. Excuse me. Oh, wow. Okay. 37. I said 19. Yeah, that's like double. 37 times. So this was definitely an I hate you murder. Oh, for sure. What do they call it? Crime of passion? Yeah. Um, Sheriff Stevens was waiting at the back of the courtroom to talk to Sarah after the arraignment. He tells her there's Mm -hmm. no match on the third DNA. There's no match for the fingerprints on the photo. And he was looking into the there's a weird text conversation on Kelly's phone that he's trying to look into, but he can't really do anything with it. Right. And since Adam had confided in Sheriff Stevens that he thought Scott had done it. He had gotten Scott's alibi, and Scott's alibi was that he had been hanging out with Deputy Hudson the night of the murder, which, if you remember, Deputy Hudson was the weird deputy who drove to the house and was questioning Sheriff the Stevens. stare down. Yeah. yeah. He was yeah. acting all suspicious. So, in my mind, when I read Scott's alibi, I was like, but was he really, though? Or well, it does make covering? you think, like, did, or did they do this together because, like... 37 times is a lot to be stabbed. Yeah. Yeah. So they all go back to the lake house. Adam's fitted with the ankle bracelet. Um, And Adam notices some weird tension between Sarah and Sheriff Stevens. Yeah. And he kind of like gets jealous about how they interact with each other. Which I totally get, because even I, I, like I said, I messaged you and was like, what? Like, I was like, you have no right to be jealous right now. After No, everything I you didn't know. agree that he had right to be jealous, but his whole, like, this is weird. This is fish. Like, I felt, I felt it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And while Sarah is in town at the lake house, she goes to the coffee shop just to see, like, where Kelly worked. Mm-hmm. And to try to talk to some some of her coworkers, um, one she coworker lies about who she is. She says she's yeah, a, like she kind of lies. She gives a fake name, um, says she's a reporter, but she asks all the questions that she would ask as as the lawyer. Like she didn't ask any like strange. She just lied about exactly who she was. Um, and the girl was like all too into giving like 
information and details, like the other girl at the coffee shop, um, which I read in a review that somebody was like, that was weird. I was like, no, it's not like small town. Something happened. Cause remember, she's even like, are you going to quote me? Yeah. She wants like, credit for it. Right. She's just looking for like a minute of fame where maybe other reporters will come by and be like, hi, are you so-and-so? What can you tell me about Kelly? You know, like, I didn't think that was suspicious at all. No, I didn't either. But Brenda does tell Sarah that there was another regular that hung out at the cafe besides Adam. And Mm -hmm. that other regular would frequently make Kelly feel very uncomfortable. It was very much unwanted attention. And would like always ask for Kelly, those kinds of things. Yes. And Kelly, like, if she could avoid it, Kelly would hand off that customer to someone else. Um, Right. And Brenda does have a recent receipt and on the name is written Jesse Hook. Good name. Good name. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Adam, we get another perspective from Adam. He's at the lake house, just kind of like sulking in his misery, basically. Which, I mean, I would be miserable, too, because remember when COVID happened and they were like, you can't leave your house. And at first you're like, this is great. And then you're like. This sucks. <laughs> well, especially so, with an with an ankle bracelet, you can't even go like what ten feet from your house. It's a very small perimeter. Yeah. So like, imagine like, oh, I can't even go for a walk down the street. So like, I kind of yeah. get it. I kind of get it. But you are a murder suspect, bud. Yep. Um, but this random woman shows up at his door, like unannounced, mm-hmm. and she claimed to be an old student from his teaching days where he used to teach at the local community college a little bit. And it's not like a said, writer's course kind of thing. Yeah. Um, she says she's a reporter and she remembered him from being her teacher and she wanted to help him. And he agrees to pay her $5,000 in exchange for her helping solve the case. I Which, typed him. I typed in my notes. Lesai. <laughs> I was like desperate. Like I, this is where like you, you kind of feel his desperation, but you also, I don't know. You feel his desperation, and then you're like, okay, what man is going or person is going to be willing to fork over money to get answers if they really didn't do it? Well, my thing is, one, he agrees to talk to a reporter before consulting his lawyer slash wife. Yeah, but he's already showing in his brain that he is, he... He's derailed. Yeah, he is off in la-la land. It's not that he doesn't trust her, but he doesn't trust... I don't think he trusts anybody right now. I truly think that's what it is. He doesn't trust anyone. And he's, as you said, erratic and squirrely and, like... He also yeah. agrees to pay her $5,000 after they already forked out $500,000 to get him out on bail. So Sarah's yeah. basically like, uh, where's my money? What are you doing with my money? We're about to be broke. I did, I did dislike that a little bit, though. It was like she was throwing back in his face, like, your writing wasn't good enough. Because she's like, and that just proves the point, like what you and I were talking about earlier, is how they made it obvious everything was separate she's like where's my money this is my money like he had to buy a new mattress like he had to clearly 
Yeah, but he went out and bought like the most expensive mattress. Yeah, he's like, mattress. well, if I'm going to have to be here on house arrest, I'm going to get, and if it's the last time I ever sleep in my bed, I'm getting the nicest one. And he spent like several grand, right? But like, he does that. He gives the 5000 away, which actually wasn't it cash he had been hoarding himself because that was the thing as he was like, this is my money. And then when he bought the mattress, she was like, what are you doing with my money? And it was just very like, what the? It goes back to what we mentioned before when we were kind of doing spoilers free about how they're like, well, this is mine and this is mine. And it was just very. I didn't like either one of them in that moment. <laughs> Oh, none of these characters are very likable. I can honestly say I didn't really, like, truly like any of the characters. But. I like Brenda. <laughs> Actually, um, I did like Anne. I did. I, I felt like she was just. She's a paralegal being used and pulled around by the men in, in the office, but also by, like, because Sarah's paying half of her salary. And then I understand being close friends with someone you work for because I have been, but like, where's the separation? I did like Anne. I did. Well, well, speaking of Anne, in the next chapter, um, Sarah's back at the law firm and she basically has a couple of, I'll call it word battles with some of her other lawyers in the building. They're kind of calling One her out. specifically. For, yeah. Well, she gets in trouble with her boss for taking on this case that is pro bono. They're not going to make money off of it. And it also means that Sarah won't be able to focus on cases that will make them money. And boss basically says, get this done as quickly as possible. Your career is on the line. Yeah. And then she also gets. And he's just very harsh and rude about it, too. Yeah, there uh, was no sympathy. Like, dude, her she just found out her husband's having an affair and that someone died in her home. Like, take a second. Right, and he was like, it was like, read the room, dude. And he was like, no. And no. then she also gets into it with another one of her co-workers, which I didn't write his name down here, and I forget what it is now. What's his name? Bob. Bob, thank you. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't write that Bob. down. <laughs> That's important. <laughs> That's important. But, um, <laughs> she and Bob go at it. Um, it comes across as he's very jealous of her being a partner and he's not technically a partner. He's just working there. Yeah. And he's and, the one that kind of makes the whole Anne situation crappy because he's like telling Anne, like, you will do this. You'll come help me is this. And that was one of the things the boss did was like, well, you know, you're supposed to share Anne. And he's like, well, she's like, well, I'll pay half of Anne's salary. And he's like, well, if you're only if you're working on that right now and you're not doing half your workload that I pay you to do, then Anne will do what I tell her to do. Yeah, so they're basically just I wrote down a lot of misogyny on display at Sarah's firm. A hundred percent. I love past Bianca. She made great remarks. Um, and I think that's why I liked Anne so much is because I felt like she didn't really get a say. <laughs> That's true. She had to do what she was told. Yeah. While Adam is stuck at the lake house, can't really do much, he gets a call from his agent, Daniel, mm-hmm. and he suggests that Adam start writing a book about his experience, like an autobiography. And it's... What a muddy, hungry sleazeball. 
that's why I was like, can we not do this? But that's very much, it was all capitalism. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. He's like, hey, I just pictured him as being one of those that he calls, and he's like, hey, Adam, baby. Like, yes, that's the very know. much how he read. <laughs> So, fabulous job, Geneva. I think that's what you were trying to convey, and that's what I got. That's what I got. <laughs> um, they start doing some investigating into Jesse Hook. Uh, they basically find out he was a creepy recluse who didn't really do much. And Eleanor texts Sarah that she's leaving town for a few days. And she has Sarah was to do. basically like, yes, thank God. <laughs> she's like, I have something to do. Yeah. And then Rebecca, the random girl who showed up and got paid by Adam the $5,000. She comes back with information about Greg, who was Kelly's first husband that was murdered. Um, His brother, Nicholas, happens to be living in the area. So they kind of agree to try to track down Nicholas. Um, His full name was Mm -hmm. Nicholas Miller. So they basically come up with a plan to call anyone with the last name Miller in the area to see if they know Nicholas and can get more information about him. Right. I'm scrolling through my notes. No, you're fine. There's some confrontation between Sarah and the sheriff. She basically says that he's not doing his job helping to investigate anybody besides Adam because and I really didn't feel like he was, honestly. I felt no, like he, he was just like, kind of like he kicked Adam, Adam and Adam was it. Uh, Eleanor eventually shows back up at the lake house with like a ton of groceries for Adam, like saying, Oh, I got you your favorite snacks and your favorite scotch. And here's this and here's that, like babying him again. And yeah. And this is what made me say, I felt like she never, this is what I meant earlier when I was like, she oversteps, like she, relationship because she's even like I'm going to find us a better lawyer here's all your favorite things mommy has to go now and he's like yeah good go (laughs) (laughs) but the little confrontation between Sarah and Sheriff Stevens evidently worked because Stevens ends up bringing in Jesse Hook for questioning and Sarah is allowed to watch behind the two way glass or the one way glass again would not be allowed would not be allowed yeah, yeah, that's a running theme. And then Deputy Hudson, the suspicious deputy, magically shows up again. Yes. And Sarah's basically like, get out my face. I don't like you. Um, and they agree to test. Which again. Go ahead. I was going to say, just again, like. The more I think about him, I, I think. um we got to bring his um, actions back up at the at the at the end, because it's always looks to, and it's always um, him stopping her and being eh, I don't know. It's Sarah he's being weird towards basically. Yeah, like it feels like he's intentionally trying to like intimidate her or something. Yes. Uh, let's see. They all agree to test Jesse's DNA to see if he was the missing, the third DNA match they can't find. Mm-hmm. Um, Sarah goes to the lake house and confronts Adam about all these dumb decisions that he's made. 
which they end up he making out at one point. Yeah, and it goes in, it starts going into no-no zone again. And then Sarah puts a stop to it and was like, oh, I gotta go. And just, like, abruptly leaves. And Adam is like, what was that? Which but I then, did. this this yeah. next part is the one where you and I were both <gasps> very icked out. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so the no-no starts happening. And she's like, I can't do this. I've got to go. So she leaves him there on house arrest and she goes back home. And she even talks about how doesn't she get herself dressed kind of like all sexy, right? Yes. Like she's wearing like very revealing lingerie and feels like very womanly like like, in herself. Feeling like you can tell in her like how she's talking. She's feeling herself and we support that, right? But. Then it's like the middle of the night, all the lights are out. She what she thinks come in her home, and then she feels someone in her room. And then she even makes a comment about how, like, she's just laying there half naked in her little lingerie, and then she feels someone on her. And then she, like, basically her her inner monologue is like, I'm into this. And major Bianca no-no time happens. Miranda does not like this. And in my notes, done, I, I she's typed, like, in my notes, I typed, Sarah has delusional sex with a void. <laughs> Because it's she just describes it as like this black void that came in her house. She does. That, it's it's like it has no distinct. There's no distinguishing features described. There's no oh I left a window open. There's no like I must have been dreaming. It's like a sleep paralysis demon came in and had sex with Sarah. It was very off-putting. Because at first I thought, wait, I've skipped a chapter. What did I miss? Like, I had to go back and read. But no, it just came out of nowhere. It's kind of disturbing. And I I wish I could remember exactly what I said to you. But I was like, this is disturbing because essentially, like, I know it was consensual because of how she in her head is like, ooh, I like this. But, like. It's it's rapey. It came off as very I don't know rapey. How to put it. it just it was so okay. Geneva was trying to like creep us out and disturb us. She did. She did. I don't know if that's what she was going for, but that's why I ended up rating her as high as I did because that disturbed me and that threw me off. But I think now one of the reasons it was present okay was to show you that maybe sarah's lying about something too like maybe sarah isn't telling the real thing as well because everybody's been lying at this point right kelly's been lying adam's been lying the sheriff's been lying like it's it to an extent everyone's lying about something right so i'm like but then in my head, I was trying to rack my brain around 
who this would be because she had to have given them a house. They had to have a house key. Yep. She said the house was locked. And we know it's not Adam because if he had gotten out of the house, like, they would know. He can't drive two hours from house arrest to his other home. It was all... I was just very bothered by this. (laughs) And other people were, too. I remember finding, like, questions where people were like, what was up with Sarah's random sleepy sex scene? Was that supposed to be so-and-so? It just random. It was out of place. There was a lot of people who were like, yes, this was super random. I think they. some people agreed with me, and they were like, I think it was a hint from the author that... She was lying about something, but there's other things that Geneva tells us about Sarah that never compute or kind this one does later, but yeah, like, well, you piece it together yourself later, but like, remember Sarah started getting sick that one morning and like they were alluding to, oh God, is Sarah also pregnant? Right. They never come back to that. Yeah, no. Like she very visibly pukes in front of quite a few people in court one day and like that's not like her right, she doesn't get the nervous like, butterflies right. I think like Sarah is pregnant but they never they never come back to that and other than like you deduce who this was like we'll tell you later but like they don't ever really bring it up like it's just it, it, had, it happened it just was bizarre and honestly that she was trying to show you that Sarah was lying and I understand she was trying to show you that or lying about something and that there's another entity at play here but it also I felt like it could have been done a different way number one and number two it was just kind of an unwarranted scene yeah it was a jarring scene like in my opinion yeah it just felt like crossing the line all in that same chapter we find out Jesse's not a yeah. match for that third DNA set. So the third DNA set is still at large. No, he is not. Which I think, again, is when I was like, anybody check the sheriff? <laughs> I don't know why um, I have my sights set on that man. Yeah. Oh, I don't blame you. I had my sights set on, well, I'm not going to say. Anyways, um... We go back to Adam's point of view. Rebecca comes back with basically nothing. Uh, There is a... When Sarah was at the house, she had, like, delivered some stuff for Adam to look through for his case. And on, on a photo that was there, the handwriting on the sticky note had matched something else that Adam had seen, a.k.a. the picture that was hidden in the compartment. So he makes... It clicked into his mind at that moment who yep. left the picture. He finally understands who wrote the who wrote the threatening note on the picture. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and Sarah comes to the conclusion that Kelly was having an affair with Hudson, who, if you remember, Scott had claimed was with that night she was murdered. Who keeps giving Sarah nasty glances and weird feelings. Yes. So, Sarah thinks that Hudson is involved in all of this. Um, I, I'll say it now. The whole time I thought Hudson was just red herring. 
I couldn't decide, honestly. I just didn't like him. He gave me the There creeps. wasn't enough about him. Like I said, they didn't explain the relationship of like how close he and Scott were. They just said they're partners. They didn't explain like the relationship between him and the sheriff for him to be making the offhanded remarks to the sheriff. They didn't really give you anything about this guy other than the description of who he was, what his job title was, and who he, like how he behaved when he was around and Sarah was around. That, that's really all they told you about him. Yeah. They never gave you any real character definition of him. But since Adam figured out who wrote that note, he runs out of the house like a maniac and steals Rebecca's car and he drives to Sarah's office. Which again, isn't it like an hour and a half drive? Two yes. hours, something like that? It's two hours away. So he barges into Sarah's office um, and he starts Again, verbally he attacking. Past- Do what? Again, like you said about Eleanor, how did he get past everyone? Yeah, see, um, there's a bunch of inconsistencies here. But then I guess if <clears throat> like people in the building were used to him coming in and out because that was his wife's workplace and they didn't know the whole situation, like maybe. Anyway. Yeah. But Adam shows up at the office and he starts to like verbally attack Anne. And we figure out that he thinks Anne did everything. She's the one who left the threatening note because she's the one who also had sticky notes all over his paperwork. So he made the connection. Mm-hmm. Um, because, Bob, well, I, I don't think we said that. The sticky notes that he had with her handwriting when that made the connection to her the handwriting matching is because... Um, Sarah was basically like, make use of your time. Help me here. And she made copies of like his entire file and everything she had and had it sent to their um, lake house. So he could be going through it as well. Being like, if you're if you're so innocent, help me from your side. Like you go through all this files. You go through this stuff as well. Yeah, but instead of and doing Ian that, he decided, hey, I'm going to team up with this Rebecca woman and pay her $5,000. He started his own investigation, but... At some point, he and Rebecca actually start using the all the files that Anne sent over for Sarah that Anne had labeled and sticky noted and stuff. And that's where the sticky note with the hand match comes in. Yeah. Um, but Adam starts attacking Anne. Bob comes out of his office. Sarah, Matthew, and the DA run out of Sarah's office because they were all having a meeting. Anne admits that she took the photo and she wrote the note, but she did not kill Kelly. No, she just meant, I'll tell Sarah if you, like, that's what her threat was, was like, if you don't end it, I will end it by telling Sarah. Yeah. And then that is when the police finally show up and arrest Adam for breaking house arrest. Doesn't he hit Bob or Bob hits him, though? Like, somebody punches somebody out in that instance. I remember uh, yeah, Bob was, Bob was involved because Sarah had to go check on Bob to make sure he was okay. Yeah, like, I think um, he's trying to, like, get Adam to leave and Adam punches Bob and is, like, basically like, shut up, like, because, yeah, I love your definition. I'm just going to keep calling him that. He's squirrely. He's erratic. <laughs> he, he, he's lost his mind. Like, he he does not know what to do with himself. Yeah. 
But in the like after after that altercation when Sarah goes to check on him, we basically find out that Bob is actually Nicholas Robert Miller, aka mm-hmm. Kelly's ex husband's brother. Okay, the one so- that Adam and Rebecca have been searching for. Because Rebecca or the police or somebody show up and they're like, oh, you, wait, you. And then that's when one of them is like, I thought he looked familiar. And it was because they were going through like photos and paperwork. And because, and, oh, he asked Bob, like, don't I know you from somewhere? Yeah. And he's like, no, no, no. And then that's when Bob's like, you're right. Like, I just wanted to remove myself from that situation, but I didn't kill her. Like, I I wanted no part of it. That's how I ended up here. I, I left that whole situation. And you're like, okay. The plot thickens. Plot thickens, yep. So Adam is taken back to jail, and pretty much everyone goes back to the jail so everyone can be questioned and get mm-hmm. all of the answers. Um, Eleanor shows up at the jail. And just has it out with Sarah in front of God and everybody. Blaming Sarah for basically everything. And yeah. they get physical. Who I forget. Who, someone slapped someone. Who slapped who? I don't remember. I don't know. There's That's like I said. There's a lot of punching and stuff. Because like I said. I think Bob's face gets messed up by Adam at what I yeah, but either slapped. either Sarah slaps Eleanor, Eleanor slaps Sarah. I don't remember which one. I think Sarah slaps Eleanor because um, they briefly tell you kind of about Sarah's past and how Sarah's mother kind of lost herself after, was it Sarah's dad left? Yes, Sarah's dad died? left. Yeah. Um, he, and Sarah's he, mom got hooked on drugs. He basically is like. Right. And so then Sarah's mom's get mom gets hooked on drugs from being like left and depressed and she ends up overdosing. Um, and I think Eleanor's comment or something was was so cold was something about you don't know how to love because how would you oh, how would you ever know what a mother's love was like anyway? Yeah, and it was I, very, that, very out of line. Quote. Right, but it was along the lines of, like, I'm here for my son because I love him, and I will go to the end of the earth for him. Like, you wouldn't know. She's basically cutting her down twice. One, because she refuses to have children, and two, because she had not a great mom. So, like, insinuating, like, her mother wasn't loving and caring, so she wouldn't know what that was. And I think that's when she does slap Eleanor, which I can't say that I would slap Eleanor as well. (laughs) <laughs> but after she gets slapped Eleanor leaves and Sarah's like good mm-hmm. riddance um, right the basically uh, Bob and Adam and Anne they're all in separate interrogation rooms um, they question Anne first and in the middle of the interrogation Sarah storms in the room and starts beating Anne, like horrendously beating her. And it was very just abrupt and very off-putting. But then you're like, oh, never mind. This is a daydream that Sarah was having. Oh, yeah. It took me a second because I was also like so jarred. I was like, what? Because she was like, as she takes her head and bashes it into the window and like the police are trying to pull her off of her. And I was like, what? And then all of a sudden it goes, but then Sarah takes a deep breath and calmly looks at her and says, and I was like, oh, 
<laughs> okay. That was not conveyed very well. It was I not. I was like, what did I miss? I flipped back and was like, what did I miss? And then I was like, oh, you didn't miss anything. Okay. 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 Yeah. Um, after that whole thing, Stevens then goes and questions Bob, but doesn't really go anywhere. And Bob starts uh, from the line of questioning. I remember Bob just starts answering like one or two words and gets very frustrated and then Sarah actually apologizes to Bob, saying, sorry, you're in the middle of this. I didn't mean to involve you. Go back to work. Go home. Stuff like that. And then through all of that, we also learned that Sarah's mom had actually overdosed on heroin in, like, right. a random hotel room. And so Sarah basically had to, like, raise herself. But wasn't it like she knew like, she saw her mom had overdosed, and, like, while she was trying to figure out what to do next, she didn't call the police or anything. Like, she gathered her things, got her stuff together, and left. Yeah, she just left. Called the police. Yeah. yeah. She left, and then, like, she uses a payphone. This tells you, like, how long ago it happened. She, like, goes up the road and uses a payphone, and it's like, there's a lady dead in blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And just never looks back. Um, but while they were questioning Bob, Adam escapes the police station. So he is now a fugitive. Again, mind you, he's already broken house arrest. And now he's fleeing the police station and he basically just wanders the wilderness for like a day. Yeah. And he comes across a truck stop and he steals some clothes out of a truck. Like a big semi truck, and he, he's almost caught. They're like, it's very strange. They start calling him like all kinds of names, and they're like, "Hey, get back here, you piece of shit!" And he's like, he just takes off. Yeah. <clears throat> um. While Adam is gone, Sarah gets Matthew to agree to steal DNA from some people to try to prove who the third match is. Which that's not very ethical, but whatever. It's not at this point. I think they even have a conversation about it though, where he's like, Sarah, if you do that, you know it's not likely admissible. And I think at that point she just wants to know. Right. I think she does too. And I think it's along the lines of like, I would do anything for you. Like I thought you were my friend. And he's like Okay, and she's like, plus, like, it probably won't work in court anyway, but I just have to know. Yeah. Which I was like, now we're worried about what's admissible and not, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and then in the next chapter, we go back to Adam. Um, He goes to a gas station and he steals a map and he figures out where he is and how to get to Rebecca's house because he knows that Rebecca lives somewhere in the area. Well, and at this point, I He's back to, like, he trusts no one. And I think he feels like Rebecca's the only person that can help him. Yeah. So he randomly shows up at Rebecca's house. And she's like, what are you doing here? You'll get me in trouble, too. And she gets him to, like, come inside. But she secretly calls the police and they come and get him. hmm <clears throat> They transfer him to a maximum security prison. Hopefully that will keep him. 
And then Sarah discovers that Rebecca is actually a private investigator who is working for Scott. She wasn't a reporter at all. So they were like, she had taken the money from Adam while but she, she was probably, still working for Scott. But she probably clearly also taken money from Scott. Yeah. <clears throat> because he would have had to have hired her as like a per contract. So, I mean, I guess she's a private investigator and good on you. Like, I guess, as we said to Sarah earlier, I hate that word too, but like girl boss, like you go girl. But like at the same time, is there anyone that's not shady in this book? No, everyone. Literally every single character. I mean, I I won't lie, though. If I were a private investigator and I was investigating a person, like, secretly, and they were like, I'll pay you this much to investigate this other person. Because, technically, he didn't pay her to investigate Scott. So, I'd be like, oh, wait. I can get two investigations out of this? <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't blame her, but... No, I don't blame her. Make that money, girl. Five G's in cash. <clears throat> well, they finally get a DNA match. It's not revealed who it is, though. It it just says the DNA match came back. Um, like it's it doesn't matter at this point. Like it's insignificant. Like doesn't matter. The baby was still Scott's. Um, yeah, the baby was Adams. Oh, yeah, sorry. The baby was still... I keep getting their names mixed up for some reason. Uh, the baby was still Adams. Like, that third person is insignificant. doesn't matter. And I'm trying to think right now, because I did not write this down. They never say who it was, do they? Yeah, they do. Do they? Yeah. Oh, they do. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Keep going. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, the trial starts. Sarah makes her opening remarks, basically saying, yes, this man cheated on me. He is my husband, but he is innocent of murder. He did not murder Kelly. And then and I like I, I did like her opening statement because like you said, she basically was like, Would I defend him? Um, would I defend the man that cheated on me and was gonna have a baby with his mistress if he had done it? Yeah. Like she like, lays it all out there. She's completely honest. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and then chapter Chapter 61, we're at chapter 61 now, folks. That's how, yeah. it's a short book, but that shows you how short the chapters are, too. Mm -hmm. um, chapter 61, it literally just said, we, the jury, find the defendant, dot, dot, dot. And that's how that chapter ends. And I was like, wait, what? No, I need yeah. an answer. And it was, it was a quit trial, too. I believe somewhere it says it's only going like two weeks. It's only like a, like it's done fast. And normally juries take a while to deliberate. They only deliberated for like an hour. And as someone who has unfortunately had to deal with a murder trial, it is not that quick. Like as the victim's family, you want it to be that quick. It, it is not. It yeah. is usually years. So... This speedy two-week trial, this quickly after the incident, just blew my mind as someone that, and not because of my job, but, like, but unfortunately has had to live that. And I was like, oh, to be that lucky to have it done and over with would, would yeah. be fantastic. Um, the next chapter, chapter 62, is a time jump of 11 years. 
11 um, freaking years. Which, how do you feel about that, just really briefly, like when you're reading a book or watching a movie or something, all of a sudden they're like, 15 years later. Like, are I don't you cool like with it. that? I don't like it. I don't either. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I don't usually care. Not a fan. Either. We've had we've had some TV shows do that where, like, all of a sudden season, they'll be, like, going great, and then season four suddenly we're, like, 15 years later, and I'm like, what? I don't, I'm not a huge fan of that. In this instance, I kind of see why, but I felt like it rushed. Like, you gave us so much detail about the, I don't know, one month, basically. Yeah. Wouldn't you say? From start to, like, dot, dot, dot. There was so much that happened in those three weeks, one month, whatever, that, like, I just was a little, like, (sighs) about the whole 11 years thing. But it is from Adam's point of view, or no, mm-hmm. this is Sarah's point of view first. Um, Adam is set to be executed, so he was found guilty. Sarah is going to meet Adam and talk to him one final time before he dies. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next chapter, Adam basically Which has this it- internal monologue. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, well, this plays into my Adam's internal monologue, so it's okay. Okay. Um, and he's still very much erratic. Like, he hasn't really changed yeah. in that 11 years. Um, he no, and Sarah and he still are still married. Yeah. And wouldn't you say he still cares for her? Like, the way that he's, like, talking about her and describing her when she walks in the room. But what's sad is they describe him, and he's like a shell of himself. He's apparently gained weight. He's unkempt. Like, not like, obviously in jail, you can take very good care of yourself. But it's like, clearly, he went into, like, the other side of erratic, which turned him into this deep, dark, depressive hole. Which, that I can understand. If I was put in jail for something I didn't do, I'd probably let myself go as well. So. Oh, absolutely. I'd be like, well, what's the point? Especially if you're on death row. What's the point? Yeah. Like, there's nothing I can do to overturn this. Like, it's been 11 years, and, like, I'm sure he's already asked Sarah several times, like, is there anything we can do? And And, clearly it didn't happen. And they talk one final time, and it doesn't really go the way Adam thought it would. She's kind of snarky and... Distant. And like yeah. I said, kind of aloof. And um, I don't remember if she says this to him, or I think she does. But like, she's planning on she's got she's planning on getting remarried. She's moved on. Not only is she getting remarried, she's getting remarried tomorrow. Yes, she has a beach wedding planned for the day after his death. Because technically, once he is dead, due to execution, they are no longer married. Yes. Um, and then they take Adam in and he dies by lethal injection. And Eleanor's there and the uh, Kelly's family's there. And Sarah's just kind of looking around and taking it all in. And Sarah is very happy but, that she will not have to talk to Eleanor anymore. But what she said um, when she's acting like all aloof and stuff, what I thought that Geneva did that was really kind of interesting that I did like is... In Sarah's monologue, um, she's actually counting down. Like, she knows she has a set amount of time with Adam before they take him away, right? 
So yes. like you kind of don't realize what she's doing at first, but like she's talking to him and she's counting down the literal minutes that she has left with him. And the last thing she leaves him with before they cart him off to be executed is, I know for a fact that you're not the killer. Which it could be interpreted a couple of different ways. It could be seen as comforting or it could be seen as I know who did it. I don't think he felt it. I don't think he felt a discomfort. I think at that moment he felt beyond betrayed and disgusted and knew that there was nothing left. There was that the, the sliver of hope he had, the tiny sliver was absolutely gone in that moment. Yeah. Um, you can tell. But yeah, he goes to the lethal injection chamber and he's like totally defeated. So he doesn't even like say mm-hmm. anything. Um, he dies. No, he's like replaying his life and his mind. Like, yeah, yeah just. Um, and then after he dies, Sarah walks out of the courthouse feeling very free, very lighthearted. And she tells us what actually happened. Yes. Yeah, so who killed Kelly Summers, boys and girls? So Do you want to tell them or should I? Well, Bob had evidence. Of Kelly and Adam, Bob, who mm-hmm. was the other lawyer in the firm, who was had, the former brother to Kelly's first husband. husband. Um, so Bob had evidence of Kelly and Adam's affair, mm-hmm. and he wanted revenge for his dead brother. So he went mm-hmm. to Sarah with all the evidence. They both decided to kill Kelly and frame Adam for it. But yep. Did you guess but who the, the reasoning I, of DNA was? Um. Oh, you cut uh, out. No, I, I I purposely paused. That was me. Okay. No, I didn't cut out. No. Uh. Yeah. So I was partially right. Hold along. ass <laughs> sheriff. <clears throat> It was the sheriff, ladies and gentlemen. I and see that was one of the things I was like, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. He was just crazy and too friendly and too charismatic when Sarah sometimes, and then like when he didn't get his way, he wasn't friendly and charismatic with Sarah anymore. And how everybody kept going. Well, maybe it was the partner. Maybe it was. That's what I thought. I thought it was the other deputy, the suspicious one. I thought Mm -hmm. he was the third set of DNA. I never suspected him for anything. Not the murder, not the DNA, nothing. Because like I said earlier, they just didn't give you enough information about him at all. That is true. But Sarah gets in the car and Bob is driving. Their daughter is in the back seat. Yep. And they are getting married tomorrow, and they drive off into the sunset. And she says something about Uncle Matthew. They're going to go see Uncle Matthew, who is now also married. So they give Matthew a little happy ending, I believe. So that was the perfect marriage. The perfect marriage. So, um, what was weird is... Her reasoning why she decided to 
kill Adam is if um, they got divorced. If she divorced him, half of her assets would go to Adam. That is not true in Washington, (laughs) D.C. I saw this commented by, like, multiple people. And actually, it depends on the state that you live in, how that would go. But I saw multiple people in, like, the spoilery uh, reviews after I read it that was like, actually, in D.C., blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, but playing devil's advocate for a moment, we don't know where they were technically registered as, like, like, living. Because what if right across, like, what if they were actually using the address of the lake house as, like, their home of record? That would, depending on what that state's laws were, you know what I'm saying? But she decided to murder his mistress. And frame him so that half of her assets would not go to Adam because she had worked so hard for her money, which makes so much more sense now. Not now as in right this second. Like, I realized it once I finished the book. But, like, when they were like, he's like, well, this is my money. And she was like, well, well, that's great. This is my money. Like, it makes sense because she she knew who killed Kel. She knew he didn't. And she wanted him to go to prison with us. With her having as possibly as many assets as she could. Yeah. Well, but even yeah, though I gave whole, like, this one, it, even though I gave this one only two stars, I will say I would probably read another one by Geneva. Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. Because I'm hopeful that since this was her first book, that she's gotten a little bit more, like, experience. So maybe her others won't be quite as, like, choppy. Right. So, overall, I would agree with you. So, I gave it four because there wasn't a three and a half. And, again, based on my way of rating books, I I went ahead with the four instead of the three because... Um, my four was, I, I liked it. I would either continue the series or series or continue with the author if it was a standalone and I would tell other people about it. And so technically those meet all of the qualifications for me. Um, I do think the ending seemed rushed and was a little unsatisfying after all of that. Um, especially with how detailed that first whole section was obviously some questionable plot holes. Um, And then obviously some incorrect from the viewpoint of law, whether you're looking at a lawyer or police, um, was irritating for me personally. Um, But I think I would still tell people to read it, but I would warn them now that I know, like, hey, there's some spice here. And well, the one scene, the delusional sex with a void scene that needed a trigger warning (laughs) yeah i even i who can handle like some spice stuff well not some spice stuff um i I can handle a lot in them even if it's not something that like i am personally ever gonna have happen i can handle it and i'd be like okay teach their own that was a little kind of like when we um 
read Practical Magic and you and I were both like, that was disturbing. Like, yeah, that, I just didn't. Yeah, I think it's no, too I far agree. back. I, I think it's too far back when I text. I was going to try to find what I said because I think I remember saying something to you. It just felt really it, gross and disconnected. But the whole thing now, boys and girls, is that was supposed to have been Bob. Like, yes. It would have been Bob. They had already, like, they already had their relationship going. So, clearly, she was also cheating as well. Yes. Everyone had their secrets. So And a secret that Geneva Rose, that I think it's a secret, or another, like, red herring, per se. As we said, Geneva mm-hmm. Rose is on TikTok, and she has started this series about a reader who is very critical of her work. And very, he's extremely critical, basically told her to get a new job and that she should not be a writer. And what else did he say? Uh, He said a lot of things, but why I think it's a red herring is because this reader's name is Scott. Yes. I was like, that's, that's too much of a coincidence. It has to be. It is. And you and I have unsure. I think we're both unsure on this. So I love Geneva Rose and I love her TikToks. Um, I love how she presents them. And I kind of love how this all turned out. Um, It's turned into a big thing where um, I don't know if you've seen all the most recent ones, but Colleen Hoover gave her our favorite beloved Queen Colleen um, gave a blurb for Geneva's new book that is coming out called I wish you hang on I'll, I'll find it um is it I wish you were here Colleen huh is it I wish you were here I wish you hadn't came, no I think it's like I wish you you shouldn't have come here oh there it is okay it's called you shouldn't have come here it comes out this year um in April comes out April 25th um of 23 um by blackstone publishing and colleen hoover is one of the authors that have given the blurb that will go like on the back of the book somewhere on the um oh words are hard i can't think anyway that will go on like i'm trying to say the promotional things on the book whatever um and she gave like a real one and then she gave one based on this whole scott situation saying so good even Scott would enjoy it or something like that which <laughs> which is pretty even, funny <laughs> it is pretty funny and it gets funnier I don't know if you saw it but I just saw it yesterday I thought I sent it to you but maybe I didn't that now her publisher has contacted her and contacted and been like can we use the one that you you said being funny can we use the Scott one and they were like sure so now for anyone that pre-orders the you shouldn't have come here, you can go online to a link that Geneva's publisher has put together and you can fill out the thing and tell them like where you ordered and give them your order number and stuff. And you'll get a sticker of Drew. Remember I talked about how Drew does the TikToks and like hypes up her book. So it's Drew, a cartoon character of Drew holding the book, You Shouldn't Have Come Here, with Colleen's slogan around it going, so good even Scott would enjoy it, Colleen Hoover. And it's a sticker for pre-ordering, You Shouldn't Have Come Here. (sighs) I love the pettiness. It's great. Even if it's not real, it's great marketing. Yes. 
so uh, this guy Scott, like uh, Bianca said, it started with he emailed her one time and was like, "You're a horrible writer. I read your book, The Perfect Marriage. You should go, you whatever, go to day job. I don't know. Like basically all the things that you would say to somebody that you if you hated their book, but." It didn't stop at that one email. What was it, like eight different emails? Yeah, this has gone on multiple, multiple email chains. Multiple. Like it was on, it's kind of on the level. If it really is happening, which again, you and I had the private conversation of, I don't think contacted by this man, but I don't know. I don't know. Does that make any sense? Like, I just don't know. Yeah, yeah. But, That's like, fine. it got bad enough that apparently, like, she has found him on social media. And she listed what his job was and was like, you, sir, blah, 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 you should finish your job. And I guess, like, she's even reached out to his employer and was like, tell him to stop, like, harassing me, basically. She, like you said, if it really is the deal, she's rolled it into, like, making the most of it. Yeah. Hey, but she can it is, make a profit off is of true, it. It's true. Oh, yeah. And I guess, like Anne and a few of her characters, can't or blame her. Like Rebecca, can't blame her. Nope. Do you know what else Tell we can't books. blame anyone for, Miranda? What else can we not blame anyone for? Buying more books to add to our collection. Buying... No. <laughs> um, I am not the friend to have if you are on a book buying ban. Yeah, I broke my really ban. Sorry, <laughs> did you? Those, you didn't. For tell those me who you did. don't know, I was on. I was supposed to be on a book buying ban this year because I have so many books that I want to get. You were going to do it for the TBR year. And any, yeah, yeah, and, and you said anything you had pre-ordered from last year didn't count because technically you already paid for it. And so if it was a pre-order, I didn't count it. And if it was like a continuation of a series I was reading, I wasn't going to count that either just because I already had the other books in the series. But right. you were trying as to I know, start new. Yeah. Yeah. But um, our local library had a book sale and oh, I right. spent $16 on four books. So I didn't do terrible, but still that was four books that broke my ban. I didn't even think about that when you sent me your video that day saying, I bought these books. Do you want to see what I bought? And you showed me your books. And like, I was all excited for you. And not once did I go, well, you're on a book buying ban. And that's why <laughs> I am not the friend to have. You want to know I'm really not the friend to have to, uh, on a book buying ban? Because of the text message I sent you this weekend about my son. Yes. <laughs> you sent me that and I was like, whoa. <laughs> I won't um, give the dollar amount out for the people, um, but as most all of you know, I live in Germany. Um, I speak mm, enough German to like order food at the groceries and and out to eat and things like that. But I really can't. I'm like like I'm not like conversational yet. I can have like basic conversations with my neighbor upstairs because. Um, she has choppy English. I have choppy German. It works out. But that means that the amount of English books readily accessible to us are low, right? 
Um, and one of our favorite shops, um, it's a combination comic and hobby shop. Recently realized how many English speak that like just want to read in English to better their English um, were buying comics and mangas from them. And they now have an entire wall floor to ceiling. I think I sent you a picture, didn't I, Bianca? Yeah, like, you did. It, it's a full wall. Like I'm not joking of all in English. And my child got so excited. I may have purchased 13 books. <laughs> and mom may have not made him pay for them because she was so excited that he was reading. Which he he does. He likes to read. But like, I was excited. We may have bought a lot of books. It happens. Happens. Um, but I'll name longer, you also know like, it's very common, like, you'll buy one and two, and you'll go back for three and four, and they're gone, and you're like, ah! So, yeah. bought, like, one, two, and three of this one, or this one he had already been reading and hadn't, like, couldn't find them. He bought three, four, and five, or he bought, like, a big, giant volume. And I forgot to tell you one of the books that he bought. There is a manga version of Pride and Prejudice. Oh, that's cool. He got that, and then I meant to tell Sabrina, hey, Sabrina! He got uh, the first two Cassandra Clare, um, I know the series, I've read it, Mortal Instruments. They have them in manga. So he got the first two Mortal Instruments books as well. And uh, I was the, like, the ones I got, I got two by Francine Rivers. Mm -hmm. um, she tends to write um, Christian fiction. Okay, I, got, I was trying to remember the name when you were sharing the book with me. Yeah. Um, Bridge to Haven and The Masterpiece. Okay. And then I also picked up a YA book called The Emperor of Any Place by Tim Wynn Jones. And then I also picked up, for those who don't know, I try to follow the Reese's Book Club books. Yeah. I've read quite a few of them and I've liked them all. So I'm trying to add to my collection. I've not disliked, disliked. There came my Southern. I have not disliked. <laughs> <laughs> any of the Reese's book club books that I have read. Oh my God. They've all been good. Um, yeah, this one is called the club by Ellery Lloyd. I like the tagline. Everyone's dying to join. I wanted to read that. I have not read that one. <clears throat> but those are the four that I picked up. It was 10 for 16. I mean, wow. Four for $16. So I, yeah. I think I did pretty well. Cause they're all hardcover too. Cause I'm a yeah. hardcover girly. For, well, you know, you're a hardcover girly, but I'm a, I don't know what the word is for this. Floppy. Yes. I love the <laughs> floppy paperbacks that just go. Whoop. Um, so with that being said, I bought one of those. I shared this with you already, but with the boys and girls, I purchased Talia Hibbert's Highly Suspicious and Unfairly Cute. Um, I am excited to start that one. It is, like I said, it's it's my floppy floppy. <laughs> um, I did get, not floppy floppy, but just I was super interested in this book. It's Beth O'Leary's The No Show. I entirely bought this book, as I told Bianca and our friends, um, because it is the story. It says three women 
three dates, one missing man. And on the back of the book, to give you the breakdown, or like the synopsis, it's got at 8.52 a.m. it tells you something. But then at 2.43 p.m., Miranda's hoping that a Valentine's Day lunch with Carter will be the perfect way to celebrate her new job. Uh, Sign me up. That's all I need to know. (laughs) There's a girl named Miranda going on a Valentine's Day date with a man named Carter. My first crush's name was Carter. Oh, yeah. But I love my husband more than anything in this world. So Jerry ended up being better. But I just (laughs) thought it was cute. I was like, this was meant for me to buy it. Yeah. And And it's a good floppy book. And it's not a floppy. The other one was floppy. Oh, okay. One of those um, taller paperback, thicker paperbacks. Yeah. I'm tapping on it like you guys are like into ASMR and know what I mean (laughs) when I'm tapping on this book. You can tell sometimes what kind of book a book is when you tap on it, though. That is true. Anyway. And then in the same type of book, I also bought a physical copy of Heartbones. By Madame Colleen Hoover. Um, because this was a one of her indie prints. Yes. That she, the only way to get a copy was like through her or on Kindle. And so I had it on Kindle, but when it came out in physical edition, I I had to have it. I really wanted it. I also liked that the words in this didn't require me to wear my old lady readers. So <laughs> there's that. Um, and then I went to the library this week and I've already finished half of what I got from the library because they had a whole new section of graphic novels. Um, and when I'm saying graphic novels, I'm meaning anywhere from 170 to like 300 pages. Um, so like the thicker graphic novels, not just like one comic issue. And not a comic volume. But I've read like four of those this week. Um, But I bought, I didn't buy, I'm borrowing The Pallbearers Club by Paul Tremblay. And I didn't even read the synopsis for this. It was in the new book section, but I picked it up and kind of thumbed through it. Um, And I was highly interested because it is purposefully annotated and with like handwritten notes attached after chapters. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um so it I when I opened it up, it's um Art Barbara was so not cool. He was a 17-year-old high school loner in the late 80s who listened to his hair metal, had to wear a monstrous back brace at night for his scoliosis and started an extracurricular club for volunteer pallbearers at a poorly attended funerals. But his new friend through the pallbearers club was cool, and she brought along her Polaroid camera to take pictures of the corpses. And I was like, I'm in. So, pretty neat. Um, Apparently, he is the guy that wrote uh, The Cabin at the End of the World, which I have not read, but I've heard really good things about. So, Hmm. okay. Um. I just, like I said, I, I actually flipped through it and I liked the little annotations and stuff. I was like, that's, that's different. Um, and then the other book I picked up, um, it was also in the new section. I believe it is actually a YA. Um, it is Cruel Illusions by Margie Fuston. 
Um, I'm going to have to look that up to type it real quick. <laughs> no, you're fine. So uh, my yeah. understanding is it's, it's a, so it's a vampire story. Um, it's about 500 pages, but it says it's not the traditional view of vampires. Um, this doesn't associate vampires with death, but it associates them more with life and positivity. So okay. I was very interested in that. Um, and it is an ALA Morris Award finalist. So. <clears throat> the cover is really cool, too. So I know you're not supposed to judge books by their cover. We can hold that our whole life. But sometimes that will that'll seal the deal for me. We do it anyway. We do. Well, because now, I think before covers, um, like years ago... Like cover really didn't mean much, right? You could have a really crappy cover and it'd be an amazing book. Um, but now they've played into that game. Like covers are a industry all of their own. So, well, feel free to go judge our Instagram by our cover photo because it yeah. is a cartoon of Miranda and I, it wonderfully is. illustrated. I absolutely love it. We are at. Stay. We are at Bells with Books podcast. You can go find us there. Keep up with us on what we're currently reading or just any fun little tidbits we decide to post. Do you have anything else um, that you are working on right now? Um, podcast in the book world, et cetera, that you would like to share with anyone? Anybody, that, anything that you're excited about? I don't think so. Are you, <laughs> you still writing your article? <laughs> Like, I always ask you, like, are you, um, are you still writing your article for the school? The book oh, reviews? yeah, I am. You can go follow um, at UWF Libraries and you can see a monthly little blurb from me about whatever it is I'm reading about. See, there you go. <laughs> you can also follow me personally on uh, Instagram. I'm at Style and Freak and I'm linked on our Bells with Books podcast page so you can find me that way if you don't want to type in at Style and Freak. And then you can also follow me. Yes, I think I put us both in the bio. And then you can also follow me on TikTok. I am at Style and Freak there as well. I've started slowly dipping my foot into the book talk world. I've posted a few little fun videos of me reading and there's just a bunch of cat videos on there too. So enjoy that. What about you, Miranda? Um, so I want to remind everybody and encourage you to check out the Place to Be group on Facebook. Part of it is a conglomeration of everyone from all of the Place to Be Nation, um, from the wrestling side and here at Place to Be Nation Pop. Um, of course, I highly encourage you to also please check out all of our articles that we have over on the website that I run for Place to Be Nation. I would love for you guys to check that out. And maybe one day in the future, Bianca and I will start putting some book reviews up there as well. Well, um, of course, you can usually always hear me here on the pop feed and my various other podcasts. Um, this one, Lady in the Beard, the um, our Muppet podcast, which I am too tired to remember that entire phrase right now. Forgive me, Andy. Um, um, and the Disney one as well. And of course, you know, Bianca and I try to come back here every month to give you, you something new. So... I say for this month, we hope Scott didn't mess you up too bad or make you too sad, but that you'll keep reading and come back next time.